Blog Talk Radio. I think everybody longs to be loved. Hey. What? I just want to take another look at you. and longs to know that he or she is lovable. Your 20s are great, but then your 30s come around the corner like a garbage truck at 5 a.m. Some people get married and after a while they're so unhappy with each other that they don't want to be married anymore. And those children cried and cried they thought it was all their fault. The same thing that's wrong with you isn't wrong with me. I know. When Mom left, I was really scared. I was scared you were going to be okay. But I just watched you. And the more I watched you, the less scared I got. You made me brave. And if you could just see yourself how I see you, you wouldn't be scared either. Wake up. It's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. What has happened in the world that normal now passes as excellent? What if we are here for a reason? What if we are a part of something truly divine? Like many of you, I only came here to escape. But I found something much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? If we quit now, what happens is going to happen again. I beg you, do not fail. This is our time to make a difference. Do you understand? Do you understand? We'll go now forever! Yes, a little recap there of 2018 at the movies to open the show, because it is our annual Top 10 Best Movies of 2018 show. This is the 11th straight year that Garney, Jamie, and I have done this show, um, and it is Monday, January 14th, 2019. 
The telephone number for the show, it's different, and Garney and Jamie have learned the new number. It's 215-383-3710. Um, but yes, tonight is our annual look back at the past year in film. And uh, I was doing a little statistics gathering on our you know, past 10 years before this, and we have yet to ever all three agree on the best film of the year. Uh, that's because Garney and Jamie just can't get it right. Um, but uh, will this be the year that we finally agree? There's been a couple of years where we actually have – two of us have agreed, and I had to go back to – let's see. It was 2009 uh, where Jamie and I both agreed on Inglorious Bastards, but uh, Garney had to put it at number three because he had Fantastic Mr. Fox there. Uh, and then the only other time that two of us agreed, I think, was – hang on. I got it right here in front of me. Um now, I meant to write this down. Oh, yes, when Garney and I had a rival as the best film of 2016, uh, but then Jamie had to go mess it up by putting O.J. Made in America uh, as the best film there. Um, so I'm very interested to see how we're going to – so uh, they're both here. They are on time. Garney is straight from seeing a movie. Um, let's see, Jamie. All right, we got you both guys here. How you doing? Hey. Hey. <laughs> I'll see the difference in mood right off the bat. <laughs> yes, yes. So, Garney, you're straight from seeing a movie, right? Yeah, I just got out of On the Basis of Sex. And how was it? How was The Basis of Sex? That was fine. I'm not gonna be talking. I'm no. not gonna be in my top ten tonight, but I, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. And also coming from a different basis of sex, our good buddy Jamie. Yeah. Yes. How you doing, man? I just I just got out of a movie called On the Basis of Abstinence, and uh, <laughs> I've been nice. living that movie. I'm, I'm glad that you're out of it. I thought you were just going to be living it for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great to be here, Jason. Even though there's no fucking reason for me to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Your, your whole your whole opening there. I don't recognize a single one of those clips. <laughs> I have a, now how, I, have, how, I, have, I don't know. I look. I've watched over 300 movies last year, but the new <laughs> movies were not a priority for me. So I have missed out on a lot of 2018 movies. Now, I out of the ones that I saw, I have a number yes. one. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> so there's still well, a possibility me, that we will agree. Okay, well let me ask you a question, Jamie. I mean, you still you still do your show over there on uh, Movie Geeks United, correct? Yes, every week. Okay, so how do you how do you keep <laughs> how do you keep up with like the current movies if you're not seeing a lot of 2018 movies? Well, well, I I mean I I I don't necessarily have to see them to know about them, but uh, but I have okay. two co-hosts that's, that always see the new movies and and our podcast is more than just talking about new movies. We do special retrospective <laughs> shows and theme theme shows and interviews with filmmakers. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. stuff. So, yeah, so okay. it's not limited to just getting together and, you know, doing what we do oh. here. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is that we do. But I do feel uh, slightly ashamed, but I just I just haven't been able to. Slightly? I, I, Only slightly. I was focused on, I was focused on older movies all, all year for the most part. Doesn't that seem like the last couple of years that you've been focused on older movies, though? 
No, it I've seems had, like every. No, it I've seems like a, I've, we've done this a couple of years now. No, no, no. I've had a top ten list every oh. year for the past twelve years. Really? Okay. Yeah, so this year you year decided you didn't give a shit. <laughs> more, more or less, yeah. Okay. Well, Garney, on the other hand, now you keep track of how many movies you saw. Now, how many movies did you see this past year? Um. Well, I watched three hundred and something. God, only hundred and. Only 129 of them were 2018 Oscar-eligible releases. Nice. Now, see, that's a model to follow, Jamie. No, I mean, Garney and I probably saw about the same amount of movies. Yeah, he just saw more older ones. (laughs) And that's counting, like, the ones that I've watched again. And a lot of that is movies that I had streaming in the background while I did something else. So I sort of half-watched them. If you wanted me to mm-hmm. count the numbers of movies that I actually just sat down and paid complete attention to, it was mm-hmm. closer to 250, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you guys, you guys okay. just chose to focus on 2018, and and I, mm-hmm. who obviously appreciates the history of movies a little bit more, focused on the older ones because there's a whole like hundred years outside of 2018. Not a hundred, but what 80 years? Well. Be, well, yeah. that's true, but there are those of us that have studied them and watched them before 2018. You know, or we fit them into our current movie curriculum. You know. Okay, good save. <laughs> <laughs> God, just just when I think I've missed talking to you, Jamie. <laughs> I haven't talked to you guys like since you know March, for God's sake. You know, what have you guys been up to? Anything exciting in this past year? I mean, I, I'm a horrible friend. I mean, I admit it. But so are you guys. <laughs> I went to some football Come on, something games. Something new had to happen. Wait, what now? I went to some football games. Went to New York a couple You've times. To... I directed yes, a play. Acted in some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Jamie, how about mm-hmm. you? Since March? Uh, yeah, since yeah, yeah. March. Since we last talked. Yeah. Man. Come on, something exciting must have happened. Still still doing my show. Yes. Still investigating unsolved murders. Yeah, uh, I see that. Have you solved uh, it? Yet? My father That's what I want to know. My father died. And I uh oh, shit. I'm, I'm down going down to uh well it's I mean I can't list like the important events of the past year. I just can't really list that. <laughs> just gloss over that. <laughs> I, I was I was in Florida like right after that happened too. Yeah, you were. Wait, yeah. when when was that? I don't think that was a coincidence. I think they're connected. What? Mm-hmm. I think there are two actually. I think that's going to be another unsolved mystery to come. Jamie, wait. Yeah. When was this? Why wasn't I aware of this? You were aware. I mean, you, you. I'm sure you liked the post or something. Uh, not the movie, but the post I made about my father's death. <laughs> really? No, I think I think Jamie, I, Jamie. I think that Jason did like the post, the movie as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait. When was this? I, I just want to make sure that, like, because I feel bad now, like that I didn't it, like it, call it, you. Or it was. You know? uh, it was in March. Actually, oh, it was in March. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Huh. 
Well, shit. interesting. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. And now I'm, I'm I'm making plans to go to L.A. I got a week long trip to L.A. at the end of March this year. I did I did and, see that, and yeah. I did like that. Okay, so what well, are you going to do? Thank in LA? you. See, you're not you're not such a bad friend. <laughs> and why? Wait, why didn't you invite me? Like, why why did why have you never invited me to your trips to L.A.? You know, like we would have so much fun in L.A. We would. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're, uh, I'm. Sh- I just assume you're busy. Uh, oh. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, we're just me and three friends are just visiting movie locations and death sites. Oh, three friends going to be the okay. So I didn't make the top the three apparently. I didn't make the top three friends. Is what you're saying? Well, don't take don't take it personally. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Okay. Well, now that we got that out of the way. Okay. So, Jamie, do you have what 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 kind of a list do you have tonight? Like, I'm, I'm you have a number one I have said, n- but I'm I have no list. But I'll listen to you guys and I'll I'll I'll, I'll input. I'll, you I'll have put no in like list. Okay. I'm gonna love to wait to hear what the number one film that you actually have, the one film of 2018 that you saw. And I'm I'll, I'll I don't be happy know if it's, it's if it's my number one. Well, it might be, it and be it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, it was tough for me because Kevin James didn't come out with anything in 2018, so I, <laughs> I, I, I well, had a struggle. there was something on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, certainly some more stuff from 2018 must have, like, intrigued you enough to, like, hey, I want to check this out. I tell you what, this isn't on my list, but the uh, I'll, I'll give you two things real quick that aren't okay, on my list and aren't, and aren't uh, movies. The uh-huh. uh, the Netflix uh, the three hour Springsteen, I think was one of the best performances I've seen all God, year. I want to see that. Yeah, I've heard it's that. It's such a beautiful crystallization of everything that makes Bruce Springsteen such a treasure. It's uh-huh. so beautifully written. And then uh, the best thing I saw on TV was that uh, uh, limited series Escape at Danamora, the Ben Stiller prison. Uh-huh. Drama on Showtime with uh, Patricia Arquette and Benicio del Toro and Paul Dana. I thought the performances were so it. great, and uh, Ben Stiller did some great things directorially on it too. Nice. Okay, so you saw some things. That's good. Well, yeah. As long as I didn't have okay. to get off the couch, uh, I, I did watch some stuff. <laughs> okay. Wait. Did, when did you did you actually go into a theater? Like, how many times did you actually go into a theater this past year? Or did that happen? Oh, don't you get invited to some like advanced screenings? You get advanced, yeah, like, I do. You must get advanced screening stuff. Okay, so you go to those? Yeah, I get all of those screenings, but uh, it's just a question of do, they after suck. work, do I want to do I want to drive forty five minutes there, forty five minutes back after a long day at work? And most of them I just <sighs> decline. Really? I, I I go like I've gone like once a month. Okay. Well. And I've and so, some but since, I I just watched I just watched four brand new movies this weekend. Okay. But none of well, what but was they're all for, they're all for interviews that I did that you know for festivals and stuff. Uh-huh. So, okay. Well, I mean, but I mean, are they good movies? Was there something like worthy of like you know being there, on a list? There were some that I'm sure you'll hear about sometime this year. Because <laughs> they're festival festival movies. The festival movies, and we know how that pisses Garney off. Yeah, I, it doesn't piss me off. I just it's very elitist. 
It is. It's it, makes us, it makes us sound worse. like assholes. So I guess in that in that aspect, it's apropos and true. I'm trying to hide that from the um, 12 people that are listening. Yes, if even that, you know. I figure we I gain one person each year. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what is the deal with you, okay. though, Jason, before you guys go into your top ten? Oh, yes. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, I, I can't wait for that. What's still with you? You're only doing like what two two shows a year now? This one and the <laughs> Oscar thing. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. No, I've like if you had been listening, like the twelve loyal fans have been. You know, like I did a show a week ago. Um, you know, and then I the did a show a couple though. weeks before that. No, I didn't do that. What you, you? What kind of fan are you? Like, I mean, that's the show I usually do at the end of the Oscar season. You know, not not before. You didn't so do no, like I mean, a show oh, okay. here and there. Yeah, According yeah. to Facebook, no, I attended both of those airings. <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> I am always supporting you by clicking going. <laughs> I listened to one. But you don't actually listen, listen, I did listen to one of them. No, I did listen well, to one of them, not like See? live, but after the fact. I know. It's it's hard to keep track of them because I kind of just do a show at, at a whim, you know, so it's like, yeah. <sighs> you know. I apologize. It's been a hell of a year, let me tell you that. I would listen, but I, I, I haven't gotten the hang of this podcast thing yet. So. Well, see, Jamie, I was <laughs> – yeah, you're, you're still working on it. See, I mean I've been waiting, you know, like given the shitty year that I've had. You know, I figured like you know, a couple of good friends like you would have reached out to me by now. But that's yeah, okay. That's I mean you guys are busy, and I get it. So. No, no. I, I, look, dude, we did chat back and forth for a little bit to talk about your difficulties. Did we really? When the hell was that? Jesus, Jason, of course we did. <laughs> <laughs> we were messaging back and forth. Were we really? God damn, I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, shit. That's so funny. That's why I didn't invite you to LA because I thought to myself, I don't want to be around that on my vacation. <laughs> but no, <laughs> you figure I'd bring the trip down. <laughs> I'm already visiting all these death sites. I don't want to be driving next to one. All right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, all right. So now that we got that out, okay. So we've already wasted 20 minutes of the show. So we better get into this because you know we don't want to like take up all the time of our 12 listeners. So okay. So so Jamie, I'm just going to keep checking in with you. Like, do you want? Are you going to chime in at some point when you've got like a number on this list? Or I'll I'll chime in with my thoughts. I have thoughts on most of them. Okay. So otherwise, I should just kind of go back and forth between Garney and me. Is that it? Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Well, Garney, let's let's since you saw the most movies of everybody, which tends to be the case, let's let's have you get started at the number ten spot. Okay. I had a tough time deciding between three movies and my number ten spot, and one of them I scratched. The one that I probably will put on my actual top ten when I do my countdown, I decided to leave off because Mm -hmm. I know you're going to put it in your top ten, Jason. So we'll be able to talk about it. So when you get to it, I love how Garney always predicts my top ten. And uh, (laughs) I just. I, I, I know what you like. Um, Shit. Okay. I, was, I ended up settling on uh, The Death of Stalin and my huh. number 10. I, uh, okay. It was – watching that movie, I, I didn't like all of it as much as I wanted to, but the stuff that I did like was brilliant. There are, there are some brilliant moments in this film, and that's all I took away from it. 
I haven't watched it a second time yet because I keep worrying that when I watch it a second time, I'm going to see the stuff that was like, oh, yeah, this part was kind of boring. Because there, there was, there's kind of like a boring peace aspect to it. But mm-hmm. when it's not – when it doesn't get trudged down in some of the scenes that would go on too long and there's – you know, some of the humor is dumb, but some of the humor is very smart. And part of that is what I like about it so much that it's able to walk both sides of that line. It's got an amazing mm-hmm. cast. It's the uh, – you know, the creator of Veep and the thick of it and also wrote the uh, in the loop. And I mean I think it might be a oh. surprise sneak in for the best adapted screenplay, Oscar. Um it certainly deserves it. It's very witty and it plays its satire at its best. Uh it's available for rent now. If you enjoy films like Doctor Strange Love and um the What's the other one where it's there, there that's very similar where there's a bomb going off? George Clooney recently did a remake of it on television. Oh, uh, Failsafe? Failsafe, yeah. This is the movie yes. for you. Oh, okay. I've heard of it. That's about all I can give you on that one. <laughs> but that's about all I know about no. it. How about you, Jay? Well, I'm glad you heard it's, of it. And Steve Buscemi and it has a fake, no, fake nose in it. Yep. <laughs> Which if, if, if anybody needs their features oh. accentuated... It's too shitty. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Oh, that when Steve Buscemi was talking about meeting the Coen Brothers to be in Fargo, and on the script talks about how the character's funny looking, and he goes to meet the Coen Brothers and says, well, "I have all these great ideas what I can do, like you know, like wear braces and everything." And the Coen Brothers just kind of looked at him like, um, "Oh yeah, oh, oh okay." And, and that's when Steve <laughs> Buscemi realized they just wanted me to show up. I was already funny looking enough. <laughs> nice. Okay, so that's Garney's number 10. All right, I've got my first clip of the night for number 10. And, uh, yeah, th- this is one that, you know, I just I, – I couldn't stop thinking about. And it's probably one of those movies that I'm going to, like, keep thinking about. Um, but here's a little bit of a uh, clip from the trailer for this one. The Ernest Hemingway of the cinema. I just want to know what he represents. Man is infested with disciples. I'm the apostle. Just like me and God. How could you tell us apart? Patrick's new movie? The other side of the wind. What's that about the movie? We don't talk about the movie. You old guys are trying to get with it. Is that what this movie's about? We don't actually know. What do we know? Jake is just making it up as he goes along. He's done it before. Movies and friendship. Those are mysteries. Mr. Hannaford, could you please slow down? Mr. Hannaford! What he creates, he has to wreck. It's a compulsion. Want me to bring you another spot? <laughs> We'll have our own movies. A real movies. Well, here it is. If anybody wants to see it. So yeah, my number ten is The Other Side of the Wind. Um, Orson Welles. The the one of the films that we've long awaited for that was never finished. And it was so tough to like 
review this film because you know it's been put together by you know notes that were left, rough cuts, things like that. You know, so you're trying to like really. I'm really trying to look at the film and see if, okay, was this Orson Welles' vision? Was this what he always wanted to, you know, produce with this film? But I, I still was so fascinated by this film, and it seemed like such a great throwback, you know, to to a different age in cinema. You know, like thinking about at the time that a lot of this was being made around 1970 with the new Hollywood and things like that, and the movie within a movie and what it's trying to show. Like, I don't know. I just I stayed fascinated with this movie the entire time. Um, and I think it's it's just an interesting experiment in what can happen when there's these unreleased films that don't get finished by these great artists, and we finally get an effort to get it finished. And I love the documentary, too, that came along with this uh, that really showed – and I've read the whole book on this, so I've followed this movie for so long. So, you know, I, I expected – you know, it was it, – I had such huge expectations for it, and then it just fascinated me, and it's just one of those that I want to keep watching again. You know, because I was just so intrigued by the whole style of it, and you know, everything just seemed so different with it. But I, it just, to me, like a film like that, just it deserved to be on on a, on a top ten list. So it's right at number ten for me. So you guys must have seen this movie. Um, I, I've seen it on my Netflix list ever since it came out. It's sitting there waiting to be watched. It's just sitting there. <laughs> And it's and I've been wondering and I and I keep debating do I watch the movie or do I watch the documentary? When 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 what I watch like, the documentary I, first. You, okay. Do you do you, do you do you think that's the right way to do it or do you wish you had gone the other way? No, I think so. I mean, I, I think it it kind of prepares you for you know because I don't know because when you, I think it's impossible to watch the film without really viewing it as this experiment. You know that it's that you don't really know exactly. You know what if this was exactly what Orson Welles was intending with it if anything you know if if you understand a lot of the history of this movie you know it seemed like Orson Welles was kind of putting it together you know as he as he went you know and really didn't know what he had but it's it's so fascinating to me just i mean it's, it's the whole idea of like this this story it's almost like about Orson Welles himself um so it's just kind of fascinating to kind of watch this you know movie about a filmmaker and then you kind of keep getting these clips from this movie that the filmmaker has made, you know, and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just one of those that I'm going to keep thinking about, I think. And, and so, like, I would recommend watching the documentary first. I think the documentary is really, really good. Um, and there's even, like, a short documentary I think Netflix has just about the restoration process, which in itself is a fascinating uh, thing to watch. Mm-hmm. But I, I was fascinated by the film. I, I think it's, it's, you know, I, I love – I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a film by Orson Welles, you know, and so you kind of see this revolutionary spirit in him in a different time, you know, adapted to, you know, ni- late 1960s, early 70s when Hollywood is really changing. So I I love the film. I, just, I, don't, I don't know what it is I completely love, but I, I just love that it was so different from any other film that I saw this year. So that's the best I, thing. Uh... <laughs> Both of our number tens are like these recommendations. Was like, I love it. Not all of it, but there's something about it. <laughs> there's something about it. Well, I just it, have yes. to put it on there because you're, you, I, I can't like same thing. No, I, I mean, kept returning to death as Stalin. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. Like, it was just it's a movie that I that I definitely kept thinking about, and it was a movie that I admired in so many different levels, you know. And but it's, I don't know. It's just 
it's a mess and it's there's some great artistic achievement in it um so I don't really know what it's it's almost like a lot of ways like last year with Phantom Thread it was one of those movies that I first got hit with you know I wasn't quite sure about it but ever since then I've loved it even more you know so I'm not I'm not sure what I'll end up thinking about this film but for right now it's it's number 10 uh I Jamie, prefer the documentary, but I, I I would I would definitely see the documentary before I see the film because it it mm-hmm. brings a lot of the film into context. I think you'll get more out of the movie having watched the documentary. The yeah, parts I that, that I liked about the film, it, it, the stuff that resonated most with me was the relationship stuff between he and Bogdanovich, which was drawn from their yes. real life tensions. Um, I thought that 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 had some meat on it. It was great to see John Huston act again. I think this does mm-hmm. as much. Uh, it means as much for Houston's legacy as it does for Orson Welles' legacy. The, the question with a movie as with a movie like this is, if it had come out 40 years ago, would it have made a dent in Orson Welles' career because he wanted it to be a comeback? And I think mm-hmm. it would have been as much a curio then as it is now. Probably more. Probably more so because the past forty years, I think, has caught up with the other side of the wind. In terms of editing, that style of editing was already being done in the late '60s by uh, people like Richard Lester and Petulia or uh, Borman and Point Blank or that kind of thing. And I think the whole meta aspect of what he's trying to get at has kind of been picked over in the past forty years as well. So it doesn't feel as revelatory to me as it might have mm-hmm. for audiences 40 years ago. But that's an, it's an interesting thing that as mm-hmm. you're watching it, it's an inter- interesting concept to kind of stew over. <clears throat> mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Like, and, I, and that's what I really tried to put myself back into was like thinking of like how this would have been received like around 1970, because you're right. Like so much of, of this style and things like this have been, you know, so it was, it was kind of like trying to put yourself back in a different time, you know, <laughs> And so that to me is just an interesting kind of thing. And I'm just glad that the damn film is finally out. I mean, this is one of yeah, those movies too. that like, I constantly was interested in, and I even donated to the Indiegogo campaign for this thing you know, because it's like you usually never get these films that you hear about. And, and I was always fascinated by what Orson Welles was trying to do with this film. So I'm just glad now, that my, my and my favorite scene is the one that's been that he finished editing and has been around for a long, long time, and that's the sex scene in the back of the car, which is in the back of the car, amazing, yeah. amazing, <laughs> pretty amazing. The way he shot that, yeah, yeah the sound and uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a, well, you know, what, yeah, you're right. It's great that it's mm-hmm. great that it exists, and and now yes. we, need, we need the day the clown cried. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're right. You're exactly right. That's the next one that I'm very curious to finally see. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Jamie, I saw that Movie Geeks United recently did their best of 2018. You were posting about it. It was saying Mm -hmm. if you only watch, if you only listen to one podcast, you should listen to it more. But this would be a good one. Yeah, I felt kind of slight. So in that podcast, are you also just listening to other people talk about their top 10 list? Did you not have one for that one either? Yes, same, same deal. Same deal. Okay. I just want to make See, sure it wasn't that myself, like, <laughs> I thought he was, was like, leaving an I already did this on my show, so I don't feel like doing it again. Like you didn't want to relive 2018 <laughs> another time because once was painful no, enough. Look, I, I've, I've got good insights on some of these movies. What I, what I just said for Orson Welles wasn't that bad. Oh, no. It was great credit. I mean, it's obviously you've seen it. I'm just wondering, like, where you would have ranked it. 
<laughs> was it one of the ten it. best movies you saw from 2018? I, I, I would have ranked it well outside of my top ten that doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> okay good to know. That's good. But the okay. documentary would be in like a top 20 for me. Yeah, documentary is really good, Garney. Like I really think you'll be fascinated by the documentary. Like you, you really get to learn a lot about the, you know, the whole history of the film, and um, really gives you some good background on it. Yeah, so it, it, it's it's a good one. Yeah, I find that when because I've been going to the theater so often, when I get home to like actually sit down and devote two hours to something, that's something where it's like mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm going to be able to. I don't want to just watch some of it and then get halfway through yeah. and go, I'll come back to it. Cause I know I never will. You, 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 you it's a movie. It's a movie. You got, you got to, you got to commit those two hours to the movie. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, yeah. To this particular one. Mm-hmm. Cause I think the doc, well, the documentary is about an hour and a half, but the movie itself, I think is two hours, but yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's one you got to kind of stick with. Uh, then. Yeah. Yeah. The, the movie is so kind of scattershot and, you need mm-hmm. to get it down in one sitting. It sounds like medicine. And yeah, in some ways, I I felt like it was medicine when I was watching it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's move on to number nine, Garney. What do you have at your number nine spot? Number nine is where I placed the favorite from Yorgos Lanthimos. Every time I, I go too. see Yorgos. Oh, see, we agree on number nine. We Every time I go to see a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, I'm always so excited because the trailers make it look so aiming and bizarre <laughs> and interesting to look at. And it is all of those things. But I always walk away thinking, yes. I didn't enjoy that as much as I thought I would or should have. But then I still just think about it for the next three days. Uh-huh. Like I can't stop thinking yes. about different aspects of it. I mean, man, is, there's no denying the skill and tactics that he, um, and, uh, that he has in, in these films and the, the team that he puts together and the performances that he gets. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God, yeah. And the comedy is just so, like, it's just razor sharp that it's, <laughs> and I don't even remember laughing that much watching it, but when I think about it, I go, mm-hmm. yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> you know, like, I mm-hmm. laugh more thinking yeah, about it good than point. I did actually watching it because it's just so well-placed that it's not like mm-hmm. a ha-ha-ha-ha comedy. It's, you know, more... right. Sharp and biting. Situational and kind of Yeah. The, uh, and, and also with like the quick edits. There's a lot of like visual aspects. And also a lot of mm-hmm. those because I'd seen the trailer so many times that mm-hmm. when I finally saw it in the context of the film, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember laughing when I saw this in the trailer. Um, right. the, but that trio of performances, Rachel Weisz, Emma Stone, and Alita Coleman. And I also, I got to say this, so Nicholas Holt. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name or not, um, who plays the foppish one who's trying mm-hmm. to get closer to the queen. He He's not getting his due in this conversation of supporting right. actor because he is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he's just overshad- rightfully so overshadowed by these wonderful female performances. But mm-hmm. – um, and, and it's <laughs> – and I think the putting Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone against each other supporting is only going to help Olivia Coleman possibly beat out Glenn Close for that Best Actress Oscar. But, talk about a race. Yeah. And this has yeah. been – this is the year where the, it has been a better year for actresses, lead actress performances mm-hmm. than lead actor performances. Like I yeah. – 20 lead actresses mm-hmm. out 
in a nomination. They're all nomination worthy. And sometimes you're scrambling. Right. It's like, well, Meryl Streep was in a movie. I guess we'll put her in in the mix. But no, this year is just <laughs> loaded with mm-hmm. fantastic performances, and three of them are in this film. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know, amazingly, I didn't see a single trailer before I saw this film. So I went into this really not knowing what the hell I was getting into. And nice. I was so surprised by it. Yeah, I was like, so <laughs> I did not like see that this is where the story was going. And I was so amazed. Like, like, you can't say enough about these performances. I mean, Rachel Weiss, I mean, she's amazing. <laughs> you know, and Olivia Coleman, yes, absolutely. And Emma Stone, so very good. I mean, to just watch the way that these two go back and forth to win the affections of the queen. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, yeah, you're right. It, 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 the way you described it is perfect. Like, I, I don't remember myself laughing a lot out loud, but God, I just enjoyed myself this whole time in this watching this movie. Like, it was just amazing. And I, I love the way it ended. I mean, I, I don't want to give away, but I just, that, that, those final shots, the way it was edited and mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman's performance in that, I was like, God, that was great. You know, it was just one of those movies that you do sit back and like admire everything about it—the acting, the craft, everything, all those damn fisheye shots. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, it was just a great, great movie. And Emma Stone had like probably the best hand job scene in years, even <laughs> even more than Amy Adams in The Master <laughs> or Kristen oh, Stewart God, yes. in uh, The Road on the Road. Mm-hmm. I know it. Like, yeah, you're right. Like the best, like. Showing of just how much, how little they <laughs> consider the men in this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By just watching the way that she like just talks through that thing, like, yeah, it's it's a it's a great great film. And I yeah, you're right. I think in any other year, like unfortunately, I think Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone they're just going to keep canceling each other out, you know. Um, yeah. And then Olivia Coleman, I just God, it's it's hard to like figure out what they're going to do, and because I think in another year, if it wasn't so competitive, she'd probably win. Um, but you know, it does seem to be going close this year, and so, and yeah. it's really it's, just, it's I mean, I, I gotta say, I saw the wife, and she did a great job, but her winning for that. See, is, I didn't see the that's, wife. That's an award. That's a, that's a career award, I feel like. Yeah. It's time to give right. Glenn Close an Oscar, and, you know, mm-hmm. just, the wife is good enough, and it's, it is an award-worthy performance, I just think, in a, this year with so many, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even put Glenn Close in the top five. Because there are so many great. Oh films. wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the one film I never could get to. Like it never came here, and 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 I'd heard different things about it. Like I'd heard it was really really great, and I've heard the same thing that this is like a career Oscar for her this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so and we do tend to always get those. So <clears throat> I did see the, the performances are great. Was, She's great. Jonathan Price is great. Huh? Wait, Jamie, what did you see? I was blah on the wife. Yeah, taken the movie. Oh, the movie isn't as good as the performances. Glenn Close mm-hmm. is good. Jonathan Price is good. Christian Slater is interesting. Um, and 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 I mean that as a compliment. Christian Slater isn't always interesting, but he's interesting in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but the movie yeah. didn't didn't do anything for me. It's definitely just a Glenn Close vehicle, with okay. overshadowing Jonathan Price, who does delivers a perfectly fine performance, also. So, Jamie, any comment on The Favorite? Or I didn't see The Favorite. I saw his previous movies, but not, not that one. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, since I we agreed on that one, the I'll most go... ac- the most accessible of all of them, though. 
that he's directed. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. I can that, see that. That it is. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I got through the I the killing of a sacred deer. I got all the way through that movie to the end, and I went, okay, it was supposed to be a comedy all along. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I was like, I need to go back and watch it because the whole time I'm just going, this movie's taking a long time to get where it's going. And Mm -hmm. I think if I go back and watch it again after watching that last scene, I'd I'd enjoy it more. Mm -hmm. The last scene is it's one of those light bulb comes on, all comes together. Um, Whereas like Lobster was just the opposite, where I was enjoying it immensely, and then as it got towards the end, it just kind of fell apart for me. Mm-hmm. But I was really tired when I was watching it, so I just wanted I just wanted it to be over just so I could go get some sleep. So it's sort of that <laughs> situational thing where it's like I wish I was yes. in a better place, figuratively and literally, when I saw the lobster. <clears throat> I like the lobster a lot. But... Okay. Uh, yeah, I well, let's go to number. Yeah, it was in my go number day. number eight. You start number eight. Number eight. Okay, I'll take over if we agreed on the favorites. <laughs> no, it's all right, Garney. You can do that at any time. Um, all right, my number eight, um, and we were just recently talking about this on Facebook. I said we'd be talking about it tonight, is uh, If Bill Street Could Talk. Um, another great achievement by Barry Jenkins. I don't think it ranks quite up there with Moonlight, but I was so yeah. moved by this film. And another one of just so many great performances um, and I, I, I really would like to see Regina King win Best Supporting Actress. I think she's really, really strong in this movie, um, and definitely the two leads, and I can't think of their, their names right now, but their performances, I think it's one of the great love stories of this year for sure um, because I think the opening quote of this film is so great, like should you never have to love the person through glass or something like that? I, I know I'm screwing that up. Yeah. But, yeah well, you should never have to love the person you love through glass. <laughs> Shut up, Jamie. I love how you say the opening quote of this film is so great. It's something about loving somebody through glass. Shut up, Jamie. Damn it, I can't. I can't remember everything. Like shit. But yes, I mean implying like prison, you know. So I mean, what I loved about, I think one of my favorite things about this was how much like he's telling a story here that you know you you kind of the way he weaves in like a lot of the social issues, like it doesn't really hit you over the head with a lot of them. Um, but I, it just, to me, it was a perfect balance all throughout. Um, and again, another one with an ending that I didn't see coming. Um, and I, I just, I love this movie. I, I just, I thought there was such an honesty in the love between these two characters um, and great attention to period detail to um, just everything about this film. I just, I loved it. And you just recently saw it, Garney. Yeah, I just I just saw it last night. Okay, um, but it wasn't, like it wasn't in your top several 10. different plans. I was supposed to go see it when I was in Baltimore the weekend before because it hadn't opened up locally. So I thought, oh, I'm I'm in Baltimore to watch the football game. I'm gonna go see a field streak talk afterwards, and uh, mm-hmm. I just came back and um, it's it's in my top twenty, but not my top okay. ten. Um, it, I didn't it didn't. It, it never sucked me in the way Moonlight did because I was always just mm-hmm. – I always felt like I was just sort of admiring everything about the movie without being mm-hmm. really invested in the story. Um, mm-hmm. With the exception of the scene when the family came over and they're – Yes. <laughs> and the, the tension between the families, that, for, that for, for me was the best part of the movie when you were getting this that mm-hmm. attitude 
clashing and the yes. way that the sister was standing up for her. And it never went right. back there because then it all became about we got to help Fanny or mm-hmm. Fanny. I can't remember. Tanny. <laughs> yes. Alonzo. Shame on you. You're not in, the, you're not Alonzo. in the family. I'm not in the family. Or no. What was you're not in the family because remember that's what she said to the attorney. <laughs> yeah. You need to be family. Yeah. And that was a call by the right time. There's, there's all these great little moments that happen, but then it never, and then, and then it would just kind of gloss over into the next moment. And, um, God, so when I, walked, when I walked out of the theater, when I, when I walked out of the theater, there wasn't anything about, like when I, when I walked out of the theater of Moonlight, I just felt like I was on this incredible journey following this person. And there was all these like, mm-hmm. powerful moments that I, I knew that I would be watching at the end. And this one, mm-hmm. it was more just, I, I appreciated the, the cinematography, the, the color schemes that yeah, had, the, the music by Nicholas Patel was, was mm-hmm just as much as everything else in the film and the performances were all were all well done i mean i i think mm-hmm. that regina king is definitely a strong candidate to win um that's not how i would vote mm-hmm. but i don't there's nothing about her winning that upsets me <laughs> um, the and i like what i like that the scene where she it, tries to go talk going, to the it woman something that... yeah when she goes back to puerto rico it was mm-hmm. It's, I, I know that, that that's her scene, that's her Oscar scene. But for, for me, I thought yeah, the yeah. most interesting scene for me with her was when she's putting on the wig, and then she takes mm. it off. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's there's a, a because there's that moment where there's no dialogue and it just speaks so much with that with that scene. And there wasn't there weren't a lot of scenes like that in the movie. Except yeah, that's for a good when, point. When yeah, the um, normally when there was something like that, there was voiceover. That accompanied it. That was mm-hmm. one of the few times where it's just let's just look at this image, embrace it, um, without feeling like uh, the director is showing you this glorious love story. Mm-hmm. That um, I, I liked the you know the fact that for this you know James Baldwin. There's a history in it. It's also making a statement about incarceration um, mm-hmm. uh, that is very you know prevalent today, and that even you know, even goes hand in hand with the play that I'm directing right now called White Guy on the Bus and has to do with that. So it was like the timing of seeing this movie now and then I mm-hmm. still just walked out going it was, I can't fault anything in it except that I mm-hmm. just wasn't as swept up and I wasn't I wasn't tired, I wasn't, you know, there wasn't any, any other aspect. I was ready, I was in the right state of mind and I just left mm-hmm. thinking, movie well done, I it, but I got, it was more in my head than in my heart. Oh, okay. I hear you. That's that's a good analysis of it. Like I said, it didn't get me the same way Moonlight did, but it it still got me. I so. uh, I really like the scene uh, where Kim Kardashian gets him out of prison. I thought that was really beautifully done. <laughs> I take it you didn't see this one, Jamie. No, no. Okay. Right. Well, Garney, what is it your number eight spot? Uh, my number eight on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of your number eight is Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> I was wondering and if this would make your top ten. If you would have told me any number of years ago that a comic book movie <laughs> that wasn't directed by Christopher Nolan was going to be in my top ten list, 
<laughs> I would have thought you were crazy. Yes. But, man, if Infinity War didn't just pull it all off with putting all those stories together, making it feel like they could all live in the same world, being thoroughly entertaining, and um, holding the audience in its in its grip the entire time, uh, the battle mm-hmm. were interesting because there's there's so much character involved. You know, you're you're mm-hmm. watching after spending these years watching all these Marvel movies, and you sort of it, it becomes like family. And so you're watching, mm-hmm. and it, even more so than. Um, I, a, a lot of credit goes to because Civil War was so so well put together. That was a very mm-hmm. necessary step. So I mean, sort of this putting Infinity War in my top ten is kind of like giving the Oscar to The Return of the King because it's like everything was done so well up to this point, and then they just finally did it. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know that it's not it's not done yet, but this is probably its peak. It, it's it's got to mm-hmm. be if 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 they top this with Endgame. Then they're mm-hmm. they're brilliant, yeah. uh, and also just you know in, in a year where we lost Stanley, I think it's important to you know show some some Marvel love. Good point. Yeah, I mean, and I, I did like, enjoy you know, Infinity I, War more than Spider Verse. Although I did I did really enjoy Spider Verse. I didn't see Spider Verse, but I did, I did see Infinity War, and like you know, and and I haven't been a fan of the Marvel universe for a while, you know, but even like civil war kind of got me a little bit more and, um, you know, black Panthers just outside of my top 10. I really, really love black Panther. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's Infinity in my top war, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's in like, I think I have it 14. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, infinity war, like I did enjoy, I mean, it, you know, I, cause I think everything you said is right. Like they've built up to such a great point. You know, so it, I can't really fault anything about it, um, and I and I really love the ending. I thought like I didn't see that coming, um, being that I'm not even that familiar with the Marvel universe. So it was, you know, so it, it you know, so I, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I can't I can't they put were, it in my yeah. Cup. They were able to just be brutal with it. That snap that was heard around the world. Yes, yes, that was that was powerful. I admit, like that actually got me. Like, I mean, it was, you know, I was kind of surprised by that because usually the Marvel films don't really get me like that, but it it actually did. So, yeah, and I think I, Josh I Brolin, Josh Brolin deserves what should be called the Andy Serkis Honorary Award for <laughs> best mm-hmm. motion capture performance because what he brought to that character just with his voice and with the. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that he held himself, because obviously it was mauled after that. that yeah. Especially after the Justice League had their completely forgettable uh, yeah. CGI villain, and then Marvel comes around and says, mm-hmm. no, this is how it's done. All right. Yeah, they, I, I, like I said, I do admire what they've been at, able to do with the whole Marvel universe. Um, it has really been amazing to see like what they've done, so... Even to convince someone like me who hasn't been, you know, really fascinated by the whole Marvel universe, that one I did enjoy. Yeah, so and I will say that half year, even though we didn't do the our half year top ten list, I had mm-hmm. Infinity War at the top of my half year top ten list. Even though there are some movies that I had ranked below it, I think only two that I left that I've leaked left over it. Hmm. it. It stayed. Okay. Nice. Any comment from you, Jamie? On a Marvel movie? No. No. Yeah. 
Oh, you didn't even see it, did you? <laughs> he didn't even no. see it. I, bet. I, 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 I couldn't even tell you. Uh, Infinity War, or Civil War, or whatever order they come in, I, they're just they're just one big movie that I avoid. And you say that the ending surprised you, and that there is no ending in these movies. They're just on and on and on. They go on and on. Jamie, I'm glad to see you've stayed consistent anyway. <laughs> Even if I watched 500 2018 movies, <laughs> Avengers would not be one of them. Okay. That's good to know. <sighs> okay, number seven. Okay, so my number seven is uh, First Man. Um this this another great great achievement by Damien Chazelle, and when I first heard about this movie and I saw the first trailer, you know, and I was like, okay, how are they gonna like? I had seen we've seen so many movies and like even TV shows, documentaries about the Apollo 11 moon landing, you know. I was like, how is this gonna be like a really great great film? And I was so blown away by everything in how this film is constructed. You know, and especially in getting into the mind of Neil Armstrong, you know, someone that like if you follow a lot of this, you know, like understanding Neil Armstrong and and this man who made such a monumental achievement. um, I loved how we got to see that. I loved how we got to see more that it was more about like the personal lives of the astronauts and things like that, Um, that he really made an effort to make this different than so many of the other films that we've seen. Um, and I talked about it a few weeks ago on my show, if Jamie had been listening, about the musical score for this film, which I thought was so unique. Um, Ryan Gosling's performance, great, great in this film. Um, again, I just I think Damien Chazelle is doing, is doing amazing, amazing work. And I was just surprised over and over again when I saw this film. It was completely different than what I expected. Um, just a great, great achievement. Well, if you... If you listen to my show, you would have heard my interview with the composer of that score. That's, uh, I, I saw yeah. uh, Justin Hurwitz. I saw I saw First Man, and I liked it a lot. And I do love this. Oh, I do love the score, and um, mm-hmm. and I think it's the anti-right stuff because if you think about it, like why bother yeah. doing this after something like the right stuff? But this feels a lot more uh, internal not as rah-rah mm-hmm. Americana. Yes. Um, and I think that was probably a smart approach. And I, I like... So uh, I think it's interesting how uh, Gosling just got off of doing Blade Runner 2049 and he plays a similar note. <laughs> You're right. First man. Because he's, he's, right. he's a little... He plays it a little remote. You know, yeah, hard, yeah. impenetrable uh, to a certain point, but but I think that fits. Yeah, I mean, from I everything that I would effort. ever see of Neil Armstrong, like I mean, it was like you just, yeah, there was always this something that seemed impenetrable about him, like you just really couldn't understand, you know. So I, I thought that was great. I thought he captured that so well, and I liked how they made it about, in large part, about mourning. Like, how do you, mm-hmm. when you're oh, dealing yes, with some, something like the loss of a child? But you're dealing mm-hmm. with it from outside the orbit, in, right, in right. the middle. Well, of, yeah, literally. The middle of the galaxy, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I thought that the music really reflected that well too. Like I, I had long, yeah, really, con- yeah. a long conversation with, with the compo- with Horowitz about the instrumentation that he used, 
to mm-hmm. uh, to intimate loneliness and loss because yes. I think that's really what the movie seeped in, which is unusual for mm-hmm. for traveling yeah. to the moon movie. No, absolutely. That's that's what I said. Like the way that it it's completely surprised my expectations was I think why I responded to it so much. It's a movie I can't wait to see again. So see, it sounds like it would be on your top ten list, Jamie. Well, it would be uh, right now because because I've okay. only seen like eight eight movies last year. But uh, so can I put it somewhere on your top ten list? It would make me happy if I could do that. I would assume if I watched everything that I need to watch from last year, it would not be on it. Ah, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> All I have is like, you know, because I keep track of our top ten list every year when we do this show, and all I've got is like blanks for Jamie, and it's pissing me off, but that's all right. I know. I mean, even last year I was able to compile a consensus top ten, and now it's just sort of like a, what Garney and Jason agree on. I know. It's like I always have a great list with like all ten of our choices, and now I've just got blanks for Jamie, and it makes me sad, you know? Like, anyway. You know. So, Garney, I have a feeling you're going to be talking about this film later. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go so far as to guess that what I have at number seven is going to be mm-hmm. in the slot that you have. I, I, I think you're going to have in the same slot where I have First Man. And my number huh. seven is the feel-good movie of the year, Green Book. Because, <laughs> you know, I white wonder people, if this is going to make White people treated black people really poorly, but not all of them. <laughs> we can feel good about this guy. Yeah. He got it. Even though he was, he was a prejudice in the beginning. Um, Green book. There's why I, I got it. I, if Josh Youngerman is out there, listening, why, why is He's it so such a bad thing? Book. Why is it such a bad thing to write a thoroughly entertaining and moving picture that is accessible to everyone? The, <laughs> there's, it doesn't happen that often. It, it, it brings true. a note that is, you know, felt for everyone, and just it is difficult to walk away from this movie not feeling good about life and humanity, and just you know, it's got the whole, the whole Christmas thing going for it, and it's a great road movie. The dialogue is is thoroughly entertaining and believable. It's mm. you know it there's there's kind of a uh, I, and I, I I get why some people look down on it because there's sort of a by the numbers type thing where the music comes in and it comes out and it's just sort of this is, this gets encountered. But I still think the Fairly did a really good job walking that line where it still stayed fresh. And I think a lot of it also rests on Viggo Mortensen's performance. The way that he makes mm-hmm. that guy so unexpectedly likable, um, yeah. and just the contrast of him with Mahershala Ali—it's just a great odd couple pairing. Those those characters, as well as the actors, I guess. But you know, mm-hmm. I, actually, I think the actress go would be great in any movie. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just this is the movie that if this were the 20th century, it would. No, no question. This would be winning the Academy Award for Best Picture. It's such an Oscar-type movie, and it very well yes. may, might. You know, I mean, I was surprised it fairly snuck into the Directors Guild. Um, 
because yeah. I thought this would be like Driving Miss Daisy. This movie sort of is our 21st century Driving Miss Daisy. And just, mm-hmm. you know, Viggo Mortensen's a little, you know, a little more attractive than Jessica Dandy. Then <laughs> 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 she was in Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> you know. And Morgan yeah. Freeman's replaced by Mahershala Ali. Um, yes. But I, there is not one single person that I would not recommend Green Book to. If someone asked me what movie should I go see, I'm like, have you seen Green Book? Because it's it's, it's mm-hmm. safe. It's such a safe movie. Where you're like, this movie's not going to offend you. You're going to feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, it's funny. It's moving. It's a great movie. Yeah. It 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 belongs in the mm. year in conversation. So. That's I think the reason why people people have problems with it is is because it's safe, and like and yeah. and we live in an era where we shouldn't accept that kind of thing because it's getting serious out there in terms of racial tensions. But then, yeah, the the other argument I guess would be you know everything doesn't have to be so complicated that it could be right. as easy as let's see our similarities and and we get along based on them. But yeah, uh, you know, I think I think it's a social justice warrior stance to say that you're so heavily opposed to Green Book. And I, in general, I fucking hate the social justice warrior movement. I think it's making mm-hmm. pussies out of so many people. Hmm. Well, Garnia, I hate to disappoint you, but I mean, this film didn't make my top twenty at all. <laughs> really? I mean, and, and yes, you saw it. yeah, like. I did. No, I did see it, and okay. like, yeah, it'd be it'd be probably just outside my top twenty. Uh, I mean, like, I enjoyed the film. I don't think it's it's a bad film, but I think it's because of the fact that it played it so safe um, that I don't know. Like, I just it didn't hit me in the way that I just thought. I mean, because I saw it after I and and see, I don't know. Like, I want to see it again, you know, because it's just one that I just was kind of underwhelmed by. Like, I just didn't. You know, and that's what shocked me. Like when Green Book was like winning all this stuff at the Golden Globes, I was like, because uh, I can I see what you're saying that this is a film that is usually the kind of movie that the Academy would honor, but for some reason it just mm-hmm. did not hit me the same way. Like it just didn't. But it is a Globes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you expect yeah, the Globes yeah, to is. go for something like that? I, well, no, I still was shocked. Like I just I didn't. Uh, I don't know. Like it just, I, I just was surprised that it became such a front runner. And I guess I'd still mm. be surprised to see it if it became a front runner at the Oscars. I just, uh, I don't know. Like it just, it. I did. think it's. I think I do think its stock has risen a little bit for the Oscars. Well, it has. Yeah, uh, has. And I, I wouldn't it's, be completely shocked if it won. But if you, if you put something like that, uh, I think Black Klansman's a lot more representative of where we are today than. Uh, Something mm-hmm. like I book. agree. Yeah, that was the film that hit me more. We'll be talking about it soon. This <laughs> list, but that that yeah, that's a good comparison. Like that was the film that hit me a lot stronger than Green Book did. Like I just didn't feel. Like I said, I I can't really fault it. The performances are good, um, but I, yeah, it just it underwhelmed me. I guess, and maybe that's just because of the expectations I had going in. I don't know. It's I really it's one of those I have to see again. But Mahershala is a magical actor. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about that. Just watching True Detective last night, I was just astounded by him. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, I'm still surprised that he's winning everything, you know, and may win the another Oscar within just what two years. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, 
I will say that, I mean, I was fascinated. This whole last, I was not even familiar with what Green Book was. And so I was, and I I knew that a lot of people aren't. And so you sort of get this like sort of throwaway explanation about it that Mm -hmm. where I do see the aspect of there's this missed opportunity in this movie to to be more educational. And so it took the more Mm -hmm. entertaining route. So I could see how people could dismiss it that way. You know, that there, Mm -hmm. there was some, Miss potential here, but in the, with the decision that he decided to go with it, I thought it hit all those numbers right. It was a a perfect strike huh? down the lane with the arrows. Well, and nice. you know, Peter Farrelly is not Oliver Stone, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is true. This is absolutely true. Okay, well, let's move on to number six. And here's a clip from my number six. Just ignore the first stuff. You this was sent to me. What do you think? I don't know. They got my address. But they sent it to me. This is the International National Film Festival. You're being honored. This year is being dedicated to honoring you and your impressive body of work. It's about time. Yeah, so what? We would like to invite you to join us for a retrospective of some of your greatest films, followed by a gala ceremony where you will be presented with our prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award. Look who the previous winners are. Robert De Niro, Jack Nicholson, and Clint Eastwood. And it says here, all expenses are paid. That's country music town. That's not a film town. No, 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 no. Nashville has become very hip. Very hip. Well, that's what I'm worried about, my hip. Yeah, number six is the last movie star. Um, are you kidding me, Jason? Seriously, <laughs> Jamie, don't don't. Are you gonna insult me right away before I even like talk about this movie? <laughs> Go ahead. Go why, ahead. I'd love to hear your explanation you, of this. Why are you insulting me already? <laughs> How are you not moved by this film? Okay. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, the last movie star. Yes, my number six choice of this year. In a year which we lost Burt Reynolds, may I remind you, <laughs> this movie, I, I don't think I cried more at another movie this year than I did this movie. Um, I thought it was so truthful to not only how it parallels Burt Reynolds' career you know, and, and how being this huge star and then, and then deal, having to deal with all the remorse and everything in his life. But his performance in this is extraordinary. I mean, the fact that he's being completely left out of the awards race pisses me off because I feel like this is one of the really great performances of the year. Um, the scene alone where he goes back to meet the woman that you know, he – in the nursing home is like so moving to me. Like I feel like this is one of the great, great films about regret, uh, a, a great, great film about the nature of the film industry. Um, about how you can be so popular, like everything that paralleled his life and his career, I thought was so amazing. Like I, I, I just was beyond moved by this film. Um, so Jamie, why are you shitting all over this movie? <laughs> well, because it's so mediocre. Like the only, mediocre the only exceptional, the only exceptional thing about it is that it centers around Burt Reynolds. But if if it didn't have Burt Reynolds in it. You would see it as what it is, which is a directed DVD kind of movie. It's got very mediocre okay, well, writing what, in it. Fifty kind of percent of the movie is, is his it's his relationship with Ariel Winter, which is just such a 
hackneyed like I thought that was good too. screenwriterly conception. It's I thought it was pretty uh, C plus movie making. But what kind of argument is that if it wasn't with Burt Reynolds? I mean, obviously that's that's what makes it so strong. Like this gotta, is a film that like. Because just because Burt Reynolds is in a movie doesn't mean it's a damn classic. I mean, watch seventy five percent of his work. You gotta have a you know good movie saying, around like, him. You, know you can't just say, Okay, we got Burt Reynolds. Me. Let's cash that check. No, but I mean that's what makes the film powerful. This reminds me of the argument over Birdman. You know, the same thing was like Michael Keaton, that paralleled his life. You don't seem to like these movies that like you know, actually parallel the actors. I do, that I like them when they're well written. What? You don't think this was well written? Like you don't no, think this I was sure a well written movie? Tootsie, no, Shampoo, those are movies that mirror the the actor's real life. Those are two of my favorites. It's not a prejudice against that type of movie. It's a prejudice against movies that should have been should have had better writing. That movies that aren't Damn, good except for the the fact that they have a lead actor in it that I like. But that's a strong part of it. Casting is the whole thing about it. I mean, that's the whole idea. Of this no, movie. it isn't. It casting was the whole life. thing. You just stick a camera on Burt Reynolds' face and, and have him say nothing and do nothing. Oh, shit. He does so much more than just have a camera on his fucking face. I mean, look that's, at this. That's not what I just said. That's not what I just yes, said. I said if casting is everything, then you Jim wouldn't need a script. Jim. You just point a camera at Burt Reynolds. But script I'm gonna put matters. I'm going to put you on well, yes, the script matters, but I don't think that this is a poorly written script. I mean, God, I mean, look oh. at the oh, – shit. All right, Garney, help me out here. Did you see this movie? Are you going to shit on it? No, that? I did not. I did not see yeah, this movie. Thank God. <laughs> I, it, this movie didn't play in any theater around me, and I guess well, it's I didn't see it right now. I, I saw it on Amazon Prime. Oh, is it on Amazon Prime? Or did you pay yeah, for it? or it has been. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll, 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 and I'll, I'll, I love I love Burt Reynolds. I worship Burt Reynolds forever, and he, I actually Jamie, like movies he, like Malone because I okay, appreciate them as B, mo- B movies. I think he gives a you great performance. Gives a... I think I think he's terrific. Okay. In the movie. If he was <laughs> okay, if he then. was if he was terrible at playing Burt Reynolds, then he really has a problem because he's been <laughs> playing Burt Reynolds his whole life. It's his best role. I, I did watch the movie Gator this year. I had never seen it before. <laughs> Well, thank God for that, Garney. <laughs> okay, Garney, why don't you just talk about your number six while I just play stick here and like stew for I'm a gonna, while? I'm going to tell you what my I'm going to tell you what my number six is, and then we'll discuss it when we get to yours. You know, because you're going to have it ranked higher. Number six is where I put Roma, and I know that Roma is going to be up there for you. So we'll talk God about damn it, Garney. I mean, I have a feeling that we're going to talk about it at the end of the show. So. <laughs> Let's God, just, Garney, I really hate how you guess this shit about me. You know, I really do. <laughs> I know what you're like. You were wrong about Green Book. for 11 years, and even before 11 years. Okay, I was wrong about Green Book. <laughs> you were wrong about Green Book. Okay. Okay, so you don't want to say anything about Roma now. That's fine. Okay, I'm pissed at both of you. <laughs> but I'll go ahead and start where we at, at number five because that's my first clip. Yes. Get us started. I was about to say we got to get to your clips here soon, Garney. Well, I only did three clips because okay. the two of them are – one of them is pretty long, but this one's just like the end, the final scene. So, yeah, here's the end. Here's the end of my number five. <laughs> okay. And this is your clip one, correct? Yeah. No, wait. Okay. I wanna, yes. I want to make sure yes. – well, in the clip order one. you sent them to me. Okay. 
I got to make sure I yeah. got your numbering system correct. Okay. Here we go. Garney's number five. Hey, Kayla. Um, it's you from eighth grade. Congrats on finishing high school. I'm so proud of you. And it's crazy to think that, like, you're almost 18. Um, and I bet you probably look a lot different than me, which is cool. Or if you don't and you look, you know, mostly the same, that's cool, too. How'd you do on the SATs? I mean, hopefully good, but if not, you know, school sucks, especially math. Um, uh, what else? Um, do you have a boyfriend? It's cool if you don't, but if you do, he should be treating you well because you deserve it. Is that still a dork? Because if he's not, he's probably just someone pretending to be dad. Dad's not. Dad's not. And I really hope that you're not too sad about, like, leaving all your friends for college, but you can still stay in contact with them. And if you don't, that's fine, because you'll make new friends in college anyway, so it's like, whatever. And I know, like, you probably don't want any advice from some dumb eighth grader or whatever, but if high school sucked for you, I'm really sorry about that, and that's, you know, that sucks. But, I mean, it's whatever. Middle school wasn't so great for me, but I'm past it now, and I'm moving forward, you can do that too with high school if it didn't go great. Just because things are happening to you right now doesn't mean that they're always going to happen to you. And things will change. And, you know, you never know what's going to, like, happen next. And that's what makes things exciting and scary and fun. Yeah, okay, so stay cool and I can't wait to be you. Love, Kayla. Gucci. Great choice, Carney. Um, the Elsie Fisher and playing that role, and that's her talking to her future self, uh, that was the performance of the year for me. So raw and honest and unexpected. Bo Burnham wrote and directed this film that is as uncomfortable and awkward as it is living through eighth grade. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that it's a movie that's about middle schoolers instead of a movie for middle schoolers, even though I think middle schoolers mm -hmm. will appreciate it. But the sort of there's a, and he talked about it in, a, uh, in an interview saying that there's a difference between movies about teenagers and movies for teenagers. And he doesn't want to do anything that was, you know, condescending or convoluted. And he found this rawness and this honesty and the uh, there's some cringeworthy moments in this, but I don't know how you can do a movie about eighth grade without the cringe. Mm -hmm. And this was just a very I, I was moved. I, I had tears when I watched it. Um, and uh, the performance of the, the guy who plays the dad is uh, Hamilton. Mm -hmm. I think Josh Hamilton. Yeah, just does so much with the little screen time that he has. And this, yeah. I, I, I think that there's too much competition for Elsie Fisher to actually get into the Oscar race like Quivangene mm -hmm. did, but yeah. she certainly deserves it. Yeah, I agreed about that. Like this, this movie is just outside my top ten. It's my number eleven uh, choice, and I agree with everything you said. Like the way that it captures 
you know, every so often we get these films that really capture what it's like at these various ages. Um, and it, it captured so much of this so very well. And you're right, Elsie Fisher, amazing in this. Um, you're right, I think the competition is just too much for her this year, but th this is a must-see film for sure. Amazing achievement. Did you see this one, Jamie? I have not. I'd like to. But... He'd like to. It's a thought that counts. And it also works as just a commentary on just where we are for, because everyone thinks back mm -hmm. to like how crazy eighth grade was and just to imagine how much more difficult it is now with, I mean, I don't want to relive eighth grade and be, be able to voice all of my opinions and emotions into a phone that everyone could have access to because I'm going to be stupid enough to do it right off the bat. <laughs> Right. You know, it's just I I cannot imagine how difficult it must be. And oh god, uh, yeah. Do you remember when you were? Do you remember when you were a teenage girl, Garney? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like to think that there's still a little bit of that teenage girl inside me. <laughs> I, I bet. I bet. That's the best. That's the best quote of the night, right there. Okay. I would well, have, I would have seen eighth I would have seen eighth grade, but I, I I was so depressed over the state of movies after watching the the last movie star that I, I decided not to. <laughs> would you shut up? I'm sorry, bastard. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm so pissed at you. <laughs> okay, well let me talk about my number five. And we mentioned this briefly, and this is where I have Black Klansman. Um I just thought this was a great return to form for Spike Lee. Um, after a number of years of films that I didn't that I didn't admire as much as because I've loved Spike Lee's movies going you know going back to Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, um, and I loved that he returned with a film that had that kind of power, you know, and that really spoke to a lot of the race things and and a story that I had no I I mean if this wasn't a true story like it would be so impossible to believe, um, you know. But to follow that story and the style that Spike Lee directs this in and the way he ends this film too, I mean, John David Washington, great, great performance. Um, I hate that Adam Driver is kind of being left out. I mean, he's being nominated for supporting actor, but I think he's so, so good in this. Um, this to me is just the great Spike Lee of old back again. And I, I so hope he gets his first ever Best Director nomination because he absolutely deserves it. Um, for this film. Uh, I just think it's amazingly powerful. It mixes the comedy and drama, just like Spike Lee knows how to do. Uh, just incredible film. Yeah, Spike Lee's been working the circuit a lot, so I, uh, so I think he he, has. He, he's got a really good shot at getting a nomination, which is great. Yeah, I, I mean, think this, so. could, this could be the year where Spike Lee and you know, Paul Schrader get their due. Uh, which is amazing mm -hmm. when you consider that Paul Schrader's never been nominated. Uh, that's true too. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, but, I think uh, we'll definitely mm -hmm. see. I'll continue. I like I like I like Black Klansman a lot. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, it's typically bold, uh, Spike Lee filmmaking. Yes. Uh, visually, and he's not afraid of the most operatic brushstrokes and. He uses them really well. Um, I, I yeah. did, I did like. I did think it was the best movie he's made in quite some time. Yeah. Thank God, Jamie. We we agree on that. Yeah, it's easily the best like film that he's made in. 
It's really the best film that he's made in over ten years. I the I was about to say I'd have to go. The back most quite recent away, I like, would say would be like Inside Man was really well done, but it doesn't feel right yeah. to compare these two films. Like I'd go so mm-hmm. far back to say this is his best film, his, his most important film since uh, Bamboozled, which is yeah, the first time he went with uh, uh, digital filmmaking and tackled the, uh, the, the well, he always tackles race, but in a manner where he like related it to something specific with the right. um, <clears throat> black. I like Inside Man a lot, and I think the last truly like great film he made was 25th hour but i, I oh um, that was a great movie yeah I, I love i love he got game i love summer of sam i love you know i love mm-hmm. the vast majority of his movies and then he has a tendency to um because he's a ballsy filmmaker he has a tendency in some movies to go with two totally different subplots that are kind of in opposition tonally mm-hmm. and sometimes that works uh, and sometimes it really doesn't like something like right. whatever the um, the temp the Anthony Mackie was the impregnating woman. What was that called? She hate me. Is that what that yeah. was called? Uh, yeah. But in this one, in this one, yeah. he made uh, he made his version of the Spike Lee studio movie, which he also did in Inside Man. But as opposed to Inside Man, this one had the Spike Lee social consciousness uh, yeah, element absolutely. to it. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. It was it like was mismarketed it felt like as Spike Lee of old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they mismarketed it as this sort of, you know, buddy comedy, which mm-hmm. it had tones of, but it's you know, it's I'm glad that it was much more serious than what it was sort of led to believe led viewers to believe based on the trailers. And that well, there's yeah. no denying the powerful ending going back and showing oh, yeah. the marches and just and that Which was released on the one year anniversary the fact that this was just one year ago yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. which which also if it serves as an interesting bookmark with Spike Lee's uh, the opening of Malcolm X with Rodney mm-hmm. King that's yeah. right yeah, so it feels yeah, that, like a full uh, yeah that's exactly moment. a good comparison yeah like I said it just it felt like exactly the type of film that he made you, you know before and that's what I was so happy to see again, because he just did it so well. And such an entertaining, engaging film, too. Like you just – I mean the tension throughout it is great, but just again, that balance of comedy and drama is just extraordinary. Like every phone conversation that he had you know, with the KKK hmm. was like just – it was amazing to watch that performance. And I really hope John David Washington does get a Best Actor nomination because I, I think he really does deserve it. I agree that Adam Driver deserves a nomination, and I'm glad that Spike Lee is getting the attention. I think he will get nominated for Best Director, mm-hmm. and I think Schrader will get his screenplay nomination for First Reformed. I don't know if we're going to talk about that later or not. I mean, only if Jason yeah, First Reformed is just No, First Performed was just out – I think I have it 13. Uh, it's just outside yeah. of the top 10. Great, great film. That was one I where mean, I liked – Oh, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke was amazing, and – yeah. yeah, Ethan Hawke is somebody that should be, get nominated. And yeah, I'm, I think I'm really hoping that I think he's he, just just on the cusp. You know, like yeah, maybe yeah. maybe not. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a tough film. I mean, for sure. Um, yeah, but it, it's a great achievement. Yeah, I mean, it stands right yeah. up there with great great works of Paul Schrader. First Reformed is my number two, by the way. 
Ah. Wow. Okay. okay. Well, then Damn, so I can finally write something down for Jamie. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, Garney, what's at your number four spot we're up to? Oh, yeah, we're at number four now. Uh, number four is we where are. I have Annihilation. Ah, okay. The, in fact, Annihilation and really Grade were the two movies were the two movies that I had below Infinity War that I put higher than at the end of the year list. I just rewatched Annihilation because uh, it's on Hulu now, and um, and, it, and it held up. I remember when I saw it in the theater. I remember I wanted to see. I needed to watch both it and Ex Machina again to decide which one I liked more, because Ex Machina I had in my top 10 that year as well. And mm-hmm. so I think that uh, that filmmaker, I was about to say Andrew Garfield, but that's, that's an actor. Uh, Alex Garland. <laughs> Alex Garland. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Garfield and Alex Garland, yes. Hey, you know, the the Algar, the Angar, Agar. Um, yes. He is the finest cerebral sci-fi filmmaker working today. He's, you know, been around for a while, and I, I see him get more recognition for the amazing work that he's doing. It's just real thought-provoking science fiction where it's really more about the human condition instead of just robots and shit, even though that's mm-hmm. what most of it is. And it, on the surface level, there's so much underneath that. And this movie is another one that belongs up there with Arrival as far as dealing with, you know, coping with loss and um, really? human connection. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, Damn. you should. I mean, I will I haven't give seen you my it. Hulu yeah. password if you don't have Hulu so you can watch for free. It is, it wow, is a powerful good, film. Huh? And, to, and to come out in a, in a year like this during the, the Me Too movement and be a strong mm-hmm. female-driven story, I mean, it passes the Bechtel test the entire time. <laughs> it's, Damn. Uh, well, it's, it was one of those. It's I, this is probably the shot. I, I saw the trailer the more than any trailer I think this year, and I don't know. I just, I for some reason, I just couldn't get excited about seeing it, and so I just kind of let it slip out of the radar because I just didn't think it was going to be that great. But damn, it's that good, huh? I really like hmm. it. It's not, and it's not okay. a, an easy movie to like because you're watching people be miserable for a while, um, but. <laughs> It keeps you engaged well, and keeps you interested, and, and it's shot incredibly. So, uh, mm-hmm. when, they, when they enter the shimmer, everything. And the, and the sound design, the music score. I know that it's, it's on the short list for the music score. And it's not mm-hmm. like pretty music to listen to, but it ma- mm-hmm. it scores the music film is so well. amazing at the end of it. Um, yeah. When she's confronted mm-hmm. at the end of it. Uh, that music, I was like, oh. Damn, like that's a great yeah. score. <laughs> that that uh, score and that yeah. sound design. Yeah, it's kind of like the end of Melancholia. Mm. I remember thinking the mm. same thing with just the the heightened aspect of mm-hmm. it. Wow. What did you think, so of Jamie? You liked it too. You actually saw it. I was yeah. okay with it. I, I was like a B. It felt a little to me. I, I don't. I'm trying to remember what my reaction to it was. It felt a little bit like a, a little bit like Sphere, you know, if you remember that movie, uh, which I kind of like Sphere, 
Um, mm-hmm. But in, in that it reminded me of this huge puzzle that just keeps getting more and more complicated, so much so that the ending can't possibly pay off in explaining what's mm-hmm. going on. But I was kind of I was kind of okay with the way this this one ended, Annihilation. I thought I thought those the end scenes were the most uh, arresting uh, visually for me. Hmm. Well, damn! You made me want to see it. All right. I mean, Natalie Portman is well, mine. I think you should want to see it. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Now that you know. And you and you want to give me your Hulu password, so I'm kind of excited by that because I feel like I can watch a few other things too. <laughs> okay, I'll do that off the air. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, so my number four is my next clip of the night. I want you to be my VP. You solution to my problem. Um, CEO of a large company. I have been uh, Secretary of Defense. I have been in chief of staff. Uh, the vice presidency is mostly a uh, symbolic job. Right, right. I can see how that wouldn't be uh, enticing to you. However, the vice presidency is also defined by the president. And if we were to come to a uh, different understanding, uh-huh. Go on. I'm listening. I sense that uh, you're a kinetic leader. You make decisions based on instinct. I am. Mm. People always said that. Yeah, yeah. Very different. Very different from uh, from your father in that regard. Now, maybe I can uh, handle some of the more mundane jobs. Overseeing uh, bureaucracy, managing military, uh, energy, uh, foreign policy. That sounds good. (laughs) Yes, my number four is Vice. Um, God, you know where I feel like Oliver Stone, where we don't have Oliver Stone anymore to to give us films about, like, looking back at our – political system, Adam McKay did such an amazing job looking at Dick Cheney. Um, Everything about this film I absolutely loved. The way that, you know, he he plays with all of the different ideas about narrative, um, you know, often, you know, breaks the fourth wall, um, manages a mix of comedy and drama that I felt he did so well in the big short. The way he's able to take very, very complex ideas and make them very accessible for an audience, uh, not to mention Christian Bale's amazing performance. Um, I, I so want him to go on and win the Oscar. He's winning everything for this performance. Uh, the way that he actually embodies Dick Cheney, not just looks like him, but really embodies this man. Um, Thanks to Satan. Every, uh, the what? Thanks to Satan, he's you know in his Golden Globe speech. You think? <laughs> yeah, thanks to Satan. Helping him find them. Yeah, I mean, I just I loved how this film like showed us was able to take us through the whole history of Dick Cheney and really look at the whole idea of power, you know, and how he was able to how a man was able to stay so quiet and and amass so much power. It was it was amazing to watch this film. 
Um, I mean, I think of all of the films of this year, this is probably the one that I am most looking forward to seeing again. Um, because I was just, it, it's so alive, you know, and, and the way that it just, uh, it's just, it was amazing. Great performances like Amy Adams as Lynn Cheney was so great, I thought. Um, even bringing, managing to bring a humanity to this guy, you know, that I don't think many of us would ever think like much about his humanity. Um, and, and like having an end credit sequence in the middle of the film. <laughs> You know, to imagine what <laughs> what might have happened. <laughs> I mean, I sat there laughing my ass off. There was actually someone in the screening that I was at that actually started to get up thinking that was the end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought the ballsy choice, the choices that he makes in this movie are so great, you know, and the whole balance, the whole like Shakespeare scene, you know. <laughs> When like Lynn Cheney and Dick Cheney are like reciting Shakespeare to each other about they're going to take power, like I mean I just thought the balance was amazing that he achieves in this movie, and it was just it was one of the most amazing film experiences that I had this year. Um, yeah, I love this movie so much. Yeah, I'm really hoping that Adam McKay gets that number five director spot that fairly yes. kind of snagged in the Directors Guild. I think he deserves it. I mean, Big Short was my number Absolutely. one. For that year, and yeah, the only yeah. thing that I can short by my number three it doesn't year. have it doesn't have quite that same energy, but it's a mm-hmm. different it's a different film. So you, you, you can't right. have that same energy because it wouldn't be true to the what how the method that he's putting in this. And I like that Adam McKinney right. makes these bold choices and goes out on the limb and swings big. <laughs> uh, the, like you're talking <laughs> about that Shakespeare scene is brilliant. The the narrative device. Oh God, yeah. Um, you you stayed all the way through the credits and caught the the stinger at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was just it was yeah, God. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I love You love what? Yeah, it's gotta be on your top ten, Garney. Please tell Oh, it's me. my number two. It's my number oh, two. Thank God. Okay. I thought it would be. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, and it, it like you, it is the one that I am most looking forward to seeing again that I haven't watched a second mm-hmm. time already. And yeah. The comparison to Oliver Stone, I just remember when I left W, aside from John mm-hmm. Bone's performance, I thought one of the problems with W is that it didn't feel like the actors were in the same movie. Like he didn't yeah, – like, yeah. I felt like Oliver mm-hmm. Stone didn't – he made the film so quickly that he didn't know exactly what Tony wanted to go with. And right, with, right. with Vice, I think that McKay just had a, a firm grasp on exactly what he wanted to do. I mean, even if he Absolutely. was trying a lot of different things, they all came together in the editing room. He managed to make it so that every actor was in the same film. Even yeah, Tyler yeah. Perry is Colin Powell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Sam Rockwell, I thought, like, Sam Rockwell, like, the minute that he – you know, because it was like – you know, it's hard to, like, see someone taking on George W. Bush, but, like, <laughs> within, like, just a minute, you know, he captured it so well. Um, yeah. Like, oh. I was just yeah. All these performances are amazing, and and that, that whole editing style of that film, so well yeah. done. Now I was absolutely delighted, and I was surprised how even for someone like Dick Cheney, who sort of has this reputation as this like robot duck, you know, mm-hmm. he came across as very humane. You know, he, he found <laughs> exactly. The, yeah. the way that his the relationship with his family and his daughters, like when she comes mm-hmm. out and says, it's okay, honey, we still love you. I was like, my heart was breaking. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. painting. I, and I think that with making Lynn Cheney sort of that Lady Macbeth character, that mm-hmm. sort of like what you kind of had to do to make her interesting. Right. Um, 
but it, it it all worked. Everything. There wasn't mm-hmm. one one moment in the film that I just wasn't completely entertained, enthralled, and captivated. And think about how much history he included in this. I mean, like to really take us through, you know, like all mm-hmm. these different administrations that Cheney served in, and then you know, seeing how when he was out of power, and then how he got back in, you know, like that. I was yeah. just amazed how much history was just in this film. You know, yeah, by just, narrowing his man. focus on just that one character, he was able to get a yeah. really big scope. Yeah. God, was he ever. And who, and who thought you'd feel sorry for Donald Rumsfeld? <laughs> I mean, like Steve <laughs> Carell gave such a great performance as Donald Rumsfeld. But I almost was in tears during, like, you know, the, that scene later on in the film. Like, I mean, I was like, man, I mean, this is a great achievement. I mean, he's, he's really presenting like some really sharp criticisms. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, against these people, but you—he makes them humane. You're right. He—he's—it's—it's it's remarkable. Yeah, my favorite moment of Steve Carell's performance was in the beginning, and I don't remember exactly what it was that Christian Bale said as Cheney to Rumsfeld, where he just laughs. And closes oh, what the do door. we believe in? And then you, yeah, yeah. What do we believe in? What do we believe, what do we believe in? And he just laughs and closes the door. Yeah. And you can still hear him laughing. Oh, it's just what yeah. a great moment. Ugh. Yeah, it was it was so great. Jamie, did you see Vice? Uh, I saw the first twenty minutes of it. <laughs> no, wait. Okay, this. So, why did you see the first twenty minutes and not the rest of it? Uh, uh, I had shit to do. I, I was I, I was at work, and it was time. It was time to go home. <laughs> wait. <laughs> Wait, you were watching it at work, and then you had to leave. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. I was. Okay. Uh, so had, uh, I wasn't very. Uh, you know. You had an illegal copy I'll, of the film, I'll, is what I'm hearing. I, I will. I will. No, I. I mean, I. I get legal copies of some movies. I. Okay. Um. I watch it. I'm looking forward to seeing it in its entirety. But I wasn't too impressed with opening up with him being drunk and then cutting to 9/11. And if. And really? if that's like the, if that's the leap that he's taking, then I, I'm. No, I'm I think I think you, than, yeah, you got to give impressed. it. No, I really I really do think like if you give it a whole chance, I really think you will be impressed by it. But of course, this is the guy who shit on the last movie star. So what do I know? <laughs> I did read a review from some guy, and he was awards watch or whatever they called it, the worst movie of the year. Really? And, but like everything that wow. he talks about, what he didn't like about it. Was like stuff that I did like about it. I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure it's Damn. not the worst movie of the year. Uh, I'll, I'll probably really like it when I see all of it. But uh, I mean, to compare I really think... someone like Vice to the last movie star. I mean, even I'm I know com- that Vice. Wait, is, wait, wait, wait. Vice I did is not compare it to the, the last movie star. <laughs> you just did. No, I didn't. No, I'm just. I was comparing more about your reviewing style than anything else. I wasn't comparing the actual movie because obviously you're talking about your attitudes. Yeah, I was talking about your attitude more than anything. When I don't <laughs> like a movie, I have an attitude. Yeah, you do. It goes your it goes attitude back to, towards I mean, the film. Got, your attitude towards the film is shitty. It goes back to a lot of movies that I'm still recovering from. The Birdman thing, for one thing. You know, I'm still not over that. Okay, Garney, let's move on. Number three. Um, number three was where I was going to have my second clip, but that's the longer one. That's just a yes. featurette, and that's where I have First Man. And we've already talked about uh-huh. it. What I just want to add is, I mean, the fact that, I mean, 
yes, I agree. Everything you said about Damien Chazelle as a filmmaker, all of his movies are in my top ten. I, in fact, they've all been in my top mm. five. All of his films have been in my top mm. five. And oh. everything that he touches just ends up being great. Um, and Justin Hurwitz's score, the use of theremin and everything is just brilliant mm-hmm. and moving. And I, Gosling's performance, that is a very appropriate I, – I put Gosling second only to Christian Bale. Um, because of the mm. understatement of mm-hmm. performance. I love the moment when they say, when when he's asked about, you know, should the, the death of your daughter affect having an oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, yes, I would. Mm-hmm. And just the way that he handles that and so early on, and that it is such an introspective film. I actually saw it in IMAX, and I wish that I hadn't, because really? even though the moon landing stuff is great, like I wish I could have just mm-hmm. seen the moon landing part in IMAX and there's such film in a, cause the film is such an intimate portrayal of what's like these close-ups of the actors in their relationships that it didn't need to be an IMAX. It's like, wow, Claire Foy's mm-hmm. pores are not that great right here. Um, <laughs> but it really is. Yeah, 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 she needs a first dermatologist. And I know that it works first man on the moon, but also just first man. It just really is about the man. And it's, it's, there's no grand, you know, they don't like mythologize anything or make it, you know, like saying it's the anti-right stuff is I never would have thought of that. That's perfect. Cause am I looking? Am I looking at the craters on the moon or Claire Foy's complexion? I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> and it kills me that the first the first man could probably end up being the movie with the most nominations that does not get a Best Picture nomination because not enough people have it like high enough on their list. Hmm. I, think I know they'll get in there actually. I think it will. I'm predicting that it will. Um, yeah. But we'll talk about that when we actually do your, you know, Oscar forecast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the I, I'm, I'm hoping we can get done with this thing by midnight. <laughs> That's why I'm saying don't play the clip. <laughs> We're close. Which is just a sort of, oh, yeah. you know, you can look it up. It's, there's a great featurette behind the scenes, First Man, where they talk to Damien Chazelle and Ryan Gosling and, uh, and Justin mm-hmm. Hurwitz. And, yeah, look for it on YouTube. It's great. Okay. Well, my number three, and apparently I'm the only one who's going to have this on my list, unless Jamie had it as his number one, is A Star is Born. I love this movie. Yep, that's the one that was going to um, be my number ten. Okay. It was going to be number ten? What happened that it wasn't? That was 10? one of the three. I told you that I was no, fighting was between the three, and that A Star is Born would be my legit number ten, except I thought, you know, Jason's <laughs> going to talk about it, so <laughs> let's throw in Death of Stalin instead. God damn it. Okay. Well, yes, A Star is Born. I love this movie. Um, I just uh, – everything about – and, and this is one, again, that I didn't – do we need another remake of A Star is Born? I never was really a fan of the other films. I mean, they're okay. But uh, what Bradley Cooper was able to do with this film and partnering with Lady Gaga um, and, and just the thoughtfulness that went into the music in this film. Like I, I think the whole best original song category, if they would have submitted them all, should be – like made up of the songs in this film. Because I thought all of these songs, you know, from like Bradley Cooper's songs that he performs, like it all seems so real, the way the performances are carried off in this film. Um, 
I just I loved it. Everything I there was nothing that I could fault this film about. Sam Elliott's performance, like I thought this was the guy that was going to win supporting actor. Um, I thought he was so so good in this. Uh, but yeah, the, I love this movie from start to finish. It was just it was one of the best film going experiences that I had this year. Um, and I, I just applaud Bradley Cooper. I think he's an amazing artist, and what he was able to achieve with this is just amazing. So it was kind of up there on your list, Garney. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it okay. definitely belongs in the conversation for the, the best of the year. It's a great film about, you know, creative spirit and depression mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> uh, substance abuse. But yeah. uh, And at first I was wondering, you know, Bradley Cooper, why would you make this your directorial debut? Why would you want to... To debut a director as a remake of a remake of a remake, um, mm-hmm. but then when I read about like how long this film was in the war, you know, it's supposed to be Beyonce, and then Beyonce dropped out and it was going to be Esmeralda Spalding, and then she dropped out. And Clint Wasn't Eastwood Clint Eastwood going to direct it at one time? Yeah, Clint Eastwood was going to direct yeah, it. Yeah. Like they had fo- the uh, the person who like the, the producer who got it all started, modeled it after you know, wanted like a Kurt Cobain type. Mm-hmm. for the, the star is born for the male. And then, but the studio said that we need a great female. And so once they got Beyonce mm-hmm. involved, then they got Clint Eastwood and Beyonce left. Right. And so he wanted to get Esmeralda Spalding. And, but the studio said, she's not big enough a name. And by that point, you know, Clint was like, oh, I don't know how long I'm going to be alive. I don't want to waste any more time on this. So he leaves <laughs> and mm-hmm. does the mule. <laughs> well, I think he left right. and did, like three movies since after he's like left. Um, yeah. And uh, so Bradley Cooper just, he's the one who brought in Lady Gaga and, you know, he had already spent so much time investing in this and you can really see just the creative aspect that he brought to it, that you can see mm-hmm. how close he is to it. So I totally respect his decision yeah. to stick with it and direct it. And there's, and I, I love um, Matt, Matthew Libetique's cinematography in this film how he, mm-hmm. he's able to get like so close to the people and then just take that those close-ups into this like very you know f- uh distant shot of them surrounded by everyone else where you see right, them right. within the world and also so close it's it's a really really well-made film and really mm-hmm. moving and it 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 hits a chord you know pun intended for being a movie about music so yeah, I mean it's 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 my legit number ten on my top ten list. But I just wanted to throw your some, legit number ten. I'd love you have a I just wanted to throw 10, some but... credit out to Death Death of Stalin and take advantage of knowing that it would be. Yes. I knew it would be in your top five. You just knew. I knew it. Damn it! Did you see it, Jamie? Please tell yes, me. Yes, I did. Born. Oh, so what did you think? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I I I liked it a lot. I thought it was like eighty percent of a very very good movie, but there were <clears throat> problems problems that I had with it. I mean, what what I like most about it is that uh, I mean I do love the performances, especially Sam Elliott, um, mm-hmm. which I I don't think he's ever given a more emotive performance, which I think is safe to say because he's not generally known as an emotive actor. But my my yeah, favorite moment in movies last year that I did see was the uh, <clears throat> the scene where Bradley Cooper tries to 
apologize and tell him how much you meant to him. And send yeah, Elliot had gotcha. to very and and it just takes forever to Brad, for Bradley Cooper to get it out, and then Sam Elliott has mm-hmm. that very emotional reaction. Um, yeah, I like the first half a lot better than the second half for some reason. I uh, I love the I love that you feel like you're at a concert. Like it's the way they mm-hmm. shot it and the the way the sound, the way it sounded. Uh, it it had a really alive feeling to it that yeah. con- concert movies don't. Uh, typically, mm-hmm. um, I thought that uh, there was some sh- shit that was missing. I missed like a beat where Lady Gaga realizes that she did sell out. That what he told her in the mm-hmm. tub during that big fight that they had, where he mm-hmm. says you're ugly. That's what he was telling her. You're selling out. You're so- selling out. What's so special and beautiful about you? And I wish mm-hmm. there was a beat where she realized that. I felt Bradley Cooper's love for her more than I felt her love for him throughout the movie. And here's a weird complaint I have about it. I think that they overused the F word. Did you really? That's interesting. And that annoyed the hell out of me. And I don't care about cursing generally. It did? But it felt like, it felt like the kind of cursing where they didn't have anything to say. So they just kept saying, fuh, 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 because they couldn't improvise any other word. Especially oh. during the fight scenes between he and his brother. Oh. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again. Like I, that didn't stand out to me as much. But it's so interesting how you said that about how you felt his love for her because I felt her love for him more. Oh, coming away from the film, you know, like mm. the the way that she like kind of stayed with him through so much of this, and the way that she like kind of laid down the gauntlet for you know how, you know, but she it felt kind more of saved for me. Like it felt more for me like obligation, and and it felt more from his what, side as true love. Yeah. Because she, he, well, he, I definitely he, could feel both of them. Like the chemistry between them was great. Like I could feel both of it. But it's just interesting how you kind of saw more of, of his, to her. Because I, I also thought the, the the need to one up the previous. I like the callbacks to the previous versions of it, but the need to uh, one up the previous versions in terms of him mm-hmm. urinating himself at the music awards. I thought that was ridiculous. Well, it's like why don't you just have yeah, him shit himself like in front of a million people? <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the next. That'll be the next one. Though. Actually, go ahead. That'll be the fifth remake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fifth we'll just remake. keep remaking it to see what kind of disgusting things he could do in that scene. <laughs> That's right. Okay, let's just start let, so let's letting see. the N word fly around or something. Uh, so, Jamie, you you said that first reform be your number two. Do you have a number three? Yeah. Did you have a number three? No, I just have a top two. <laughs> See, if we all had followed this formula, this show would have been like 10 minutes long. That's right. <laughs> That's how much time we have left is 10 minutes. And we already That's know right. that okay, my number so, two is Vice. So what's your number yes. two, Jason? Okay, that's my final clip of the night. Um, here's my number two. Won't you be my neighbor? It's an invitation to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Love is at the root of everything. Love or the lack of it. Fred's work was love your neighbor and love yourself. It was a communication right into their hearts. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. 
there must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Me neither. <laughs> Thank you for whatever you do to bring joy and hope, light and love to our world today. Please won't you be my neighbor. Yes, my number two is Won't You Be My Neighbor. And if you had told me that a documentary about uh, Mr. Rogers would, would end up being one of the great, great films of the year, I would not have believed you. Um, I certainly didn't think Mr. Rogers was the subject of a, that we needed a documentary about, but God do we ever. Um, and I, this was another one of the films this year that brought me to tears. Um, you know, where most documentaries you expect that, like, you know, a subject like Mr. Rogers, you're going to find out some salacious thing or something that, you know, we didn't really know about him. But it's like, I loved that we just got to see what a revolutionary he was and what a positive message that he was relaying um, that we really didn't even know about. Like, I mean, I remember watch, watching Mr. Rogers as a kid, and um, but the way that we kind of relive the history of him and kind of see – and it made me sad. It made me sad that there that I don't think we'll ever get an opportunity for like someone like him to really make the kind of difference through television like he did, and how he used the art form of television. Um, I just thought this was a remarkable documentary. Um, another one that I just I can't wait to experience again. That I just felt so great at the end of it, and the, the whole way this film ended too. Um, with the way that they interviewed different people, you know, talking about Mr. Rogers and his influence. Um, I just, I love this documentary. Like, I, I can't say enough about it. If it wasn't for one more film, um, this would have been my best film of the year. But this, okay. this was an amazing achievement, I thought. The, uh, yeah, this was my favorite documentary of the year. In fact, right now I am wearing my Mr. Rogers, It's All Good in the Hood t-shirt. That I also wore nice. when I went to go when I went to go see this documentary by myself, and just <laughs> Did sat you really? and cried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, what a what a powerful and that moment when they just had the people think about that person, and then yes. you know where you just watch them think about it, and they ask who you're thinking about. I'm just so and, and like that was such a, a Mr. Rogers moment, and I mean yeah. Mr. Rogers was yeah. a big part of my childhood. I mean I remember wanting to grow up and be an opera singer just because I loved opera day so much on uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. and, you know, if I couldn't just live on that, man, I just wanted to live on that magic trolley. I want to know what, yeah. what that tunnel was like getting through into that. I just wanted to experience that ride. Uh, um, uh, what, a, what a powerful humanistic documentary uh, that just yeah. says everything about one man and us as people. Yeah, and I, th that was the thing too. Like having grown up with him, I never thought of him as like a revolutionary. And you kind of think of him as this kind of square guy. But then when you watch this documentary and you realize just how bold he was in, mm -hmm. and, I, and I love the scene when he shows like uh, with I, I can't remember his name, but when they sh put their feet in the same pool, um, I mean, like you really get get to see yeah, just how McFarley. much of a revolution. Yeah, Mr. McFurley. Like how much of a revolutionary he was, and I, I, God, that made me like so admire the man, and the fact that he did like, 
to be able to keep his show on the air and do the kinds of things and the kinds of messages that he was trying to do, themes that were really adult themes, like the whole idea of divorce, mm-hmm. you know, the way that he presented that in, in the show. Yeah. Like, I don't remember thinking about that as a kid as like, it, it just, but it spoke to me in some way when I watched the show. And so to relive that, you know, through this documentary, like you said, yeah, I was in tears during this whole thing. Like I was just so incredibly moved by it. So glad that this documentary was made. Yeah. Mm. All right. So <sighs> before we talk about your number one, um, and, which I, I which I suspect is also Jamie's number one. Um, well, I sure hope so. <laughs> let, let's go ahead and just get my number one out of the way, and let's go ahead and play my clip number three. Yes. Okay. Garney's number one of the year. Here it is. Yo, Colin. Hey, bro. We need to. Ah. Yeah. Don't. Is that the clip? There's Wait, a little thing of silence. <laughs> oh, hang on. This scare you? Doesn't play. Huh? Fuck you know about being scared. Were you afraid someone was gonna come find you? Huh? Bruh. What, nigga? I'm just, I'm just talking to him. <laughs> you said make it pretty, right? It's the bounce of it. They like the bounce of it. <laughs> like a tree on a sign, nigga. We cut right down. Paul Bunyan ass cops come to chop me at the knees and search the trunk in my own town. Did you count his rings when you bled him? Huh? When you dead him? Do you understand? How old was he? Nigga, how old was he? He was 26. 26? So many years you decided it didn't mean shit. All this talking don't mean shit. I mean shit. I've been in my element, eloquent, spitting hella, developing. I've been telling the shellman not to walk like a felon and fucking flipping the middle finger to feeling irrelevant, reveling in my freedom till you turn heaven to hell and hello, sir! I'ma need you to open your fucking eyes now and look and see. You might think you know what's happening, but you don't feel it like we do. To feel it, it has to be you cut you, but you don't know what the cuts do. You are reflex, but when reflux bleeds the gut, then you see the faces. Leave the vases. Moving people in and out for a fee. Feeding this town decay and appetite of me. Appetizer, huh? I must be tasty, but I stay angry because y'all get hazy. I'm the one out here stuck on a clock, loving a curfew to keep me off the block. Fuck, what time is it? What What time? Nope. Fuck it. I did my time. How come every time you come around, you monsters got me feeling like a monster in my own town? And I say it while I'm rapping, nigga, because everyone conditioned to listen to a rapping, nigga, but I'm rapping to the active, nigga. You the one capping, niggas. So quick to flash, you feel like your passion, nigga. Hitting us till a headstone stuck in the mud. We stuck it out, it turned us into some thugs. Got a whole city brand new and they kicking out us. Maybe we should both break shit. Make a fuss. I am both pictures. See both pictures. Don't be blind spotting me, nigga. See both pictures! 
Guess I'm just a little bigger than a picture playing chicken with a cliff And I ain't never been a flincher, block is getting hotter I'ma be the one to bring the winter bucket Everybody want a body of a cop to splinter I mean, why wouldn't I dead him? He's putting wigs for 80k a year and ain't from here He'll miss him if he disappear Filling up with fear, I know you feel it I've been feeling it for years In fact, I don't remember ever never feeling it The one who's going dummy never felt the need to run But I've been sprinting till I limp across the finish With a gun up in my blind spot, really Ain't too hard to figure that you probably never really felt the pressure of a nigga But you know what? I ain't never felt the pressures of a trigger I didn't mean to. Are you sure? So, I don't know why blind spotting isn't at least in the conversation for the screenplay written by David Diggs and Rafael Casal, who star in the film. Um, At least... It's. Uh, I know that the director is nominated for the Director's Guild for First Feature. I saw this film twice during the 12 days that it was in theaters because uh, I had to go back and see it and bring someone else to see it, and, I'll, and also because I wanted to see it again. It's. It deals with the heavy subject matter of... Uh, so it's all set up at the beginning, this man who has four days left in par- um, his parole. He's out past curfew, and he witnesses a cop shoot a black man as he's running away. And so he's stuck with the dilemma of, you know, he can't really say anything because he was out past curfew and he's going to end up going back to prison. Um, but then he has that weighing on his conscious all time. But as you're watching this film that deals with a very heavy subject that's very relevant today, the film also manages to be entertaining as you're watching the relationship between him and his friend and it examines the gentrification of, of Oakland, um, you know, racial issues, uh, the the, the divisiveness of society and just how we treat people. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. David Diggs, you know, uh, was Tony winner for Hamilton playing Jefferson and uh, Lafayette. And he, you know, co-wrote the film, stars in the film. He is nominated for an Independent Spirit Award for Best Actor. But I don't see this movie getting any Oscar nominations, which is ridiculous, because for me oh. it was the best film of the year. Wow, I hate to say, Garney, this is the first time in like 11 years I haven't seen your number one. <laughs> this, I, I don't know how... Like, when did this film come like out? Like I said, it was only in theaters for, for, for two weeks where I, where I live. Okay. And, is it on your Hulu subscription um, by any chance? <laughs> no. No, you can get Damn. it through Redbox okay. and on demand. You know, it came out mm. on Disc for Disc Rental I think in November, because mm-hmm. it was in theaters over the summer, 
and it just sort of okay. came and went. Wow. Hmm. First time filmmaker, he did some commercials. He actually uh, was established name in the theater scene in Los Angeles doing uh, Day of the Dead, uh, mm-hmm. Dia de los Muertos in Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember his name because uh, I wasn't familiar with him until blind spotting and then I looked into him. So I'm yeah. glad he got the Directors Guild nomination that, you know, mm-hmm. he'll end up losing to uh, uh, he's a first-time filmmaker that's nominated in both categories. Oh, uh, I guess there isn't one this year. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Can't remember who it is now. Hmm. Well, damn. One to check out. Yep. Okay. Well, I guess everybody knows what my, my number one is. Um, but I guess Jamie's still the mystery. Jamie, Do we have the same number one, Jamie? No. Shit. This is going to be some film you pulled out of your ass. Okay. It's like the year you picked that Dune movie as number one. The Dune movie? Jodorowsky's Dune? He's talking about oh, yeah, Jodorowsky's Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah, that was 2014. Oh. Yeah, that is your number one. Oh, that's a great movie, though. <laughs> I, love I mean, it's only, it's only a great movie if you love movies. It's not a great movie for someone that <laughs> loves the last movie star, but... Well, that's true. What, what what would your number one be, Jamie? My number one is "Won't You Be yeah. My Neighbor." Oh. It, it, it was, uh, and I did not okay. grow up with Mister Rogers. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I knew who the fuck he was, but uh, I have uh, <laughs> I have never uh, sobbed so much before in a movie. I actually mm-hmm. sobbed so much that I snorted. <laughs> which was terribly embarrassing. I tried to like cover it up like it was a cough, <laughs> but it was too late. Uh, have you already it seen it when? Have you already seen it when I reached out to you because it was playing at the Florida Film Festival that day? And that's why I was trying to like, hey, there's a screening of Won't You Be My Neighbor? You want to try and? I watched it. Standby line. I, it was probably probably after that because I watched it at a critic screening. Um. And uh, I thought it was just a, a, a beautiful um, call for uh, civility uh, mm-hmm. and inclusiveness. Um, and uh, I just I, I was really stunned by it. Uh, and and the whole audience was just uh, right there with it. <laughs> and there were there were sniffles like from the very beginning. Of the oh, movie, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, and and that the end of it um, really calls to mind that um, a, a call for all of us to embody uh, the, the the best in us, the, our best instincts, which is what how Mister Rogers lived. Uh, uh-huh. And I and when he the the revolutionary aspect of him that you were talking about is that he was not afraid to talk about current events in his show. Uh, on a children's show to talk about very, very uh, tough things. There was one Mm -hmm. other thought that I had. Yeah, this is something I brought up the other night on on my show, that it's also an important movie when you think in context of the past year, uh, maybe even more so than something like Black Klansman, because if you remember the uh, mass shooting at the uh, synagogue, uh, the mosque, um, Mm -hmm. happened in... uh, 
in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. It was it was about a block away from where Mr. Rogers lived. That's right. So and if if yeah. you contrast, you know, those two opposites, it, it, I mean, it's a stark contrast. I, the the movie is like a a call against cynicism. Uh, I, I think more mm-hmm. than anything else. I think that's why it's so essential. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm very proud of you for selecting that, Jamie. Especially for someone that didn't. Well, I, I, I always, I, 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 quite frequently have documentaries at the top of my top ten list. That is true. That is true. However, no, and like I said, I, if it, I saw, if it wasn't I saw, I didn't film, see a lot of documentaries I liked this year, especially portrait documentaries. Like the the mm-hmm. ones that everybody is going gaga over, like RGB, uh, that belongs on CNN. I like that one. That, that is that is such a typical <laughs> break here for a commercial <laughs> documentary. RBG, but yeah. okay. RBG, <laughs> RG, RGB is the color thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's a really good choice. Well, well yeah, I, I guess the big surprise is my number one is Green Book. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, my number one is Roma. Um, I, I was blown away by this film, and unfortunately, I did only see it on Netflix, and I thought, like, okay, this is, it looks to be a very – like, I knew about the story beforehand, and I thought, okay, this is a very intimate story, you know, but, God, I wish I could see this on the big screen. And I should have known with Alfonso Cuaron – the, I mean, I'm just in awe of, of what he achieves in this movie. Um, and so much of, I mean, in gorgeous black and white, but the way his camera moves and the fact that he is the cinematographer on this film also, and a story about his youth, like the attention to detail in this film and the shots in this film, like I could go on and on about the different choices of shots in this film. Like one of the most heartbreaking scenes which I, I, it's probably giving some away, but I hope a lot of people have seen it. But the scene where she gives birth, the way that that's shot in a single take and her performance in this, and I really – God, I hope she gets not – I can't remember her name every time like I talk about her. But uh, Yolisa Lachia? Like, well, something like that. It's a Nitio Capadupria or something. But <laughs> she, I hope to God she gets an Oscar nomination because, I mean – to tell this story about his youth from the perspective of the woman who took care of him and to see such a personal film from someone and then to do it in, in ways of so technologically advanced, like this, the whole scene of like when she walks out through the ocean, like I was just floored by this film. Like from the very beginning with that opening scene of just water being uh, you know, mopped across the floor and seeing that airplane reflected. Uh, the whole scene with the violence that breaks out uh, when they're up in the store and they seem safe for a moment and then the violence comes up to them. Um, the way that this film slowly just – like, I mean, it, it's a very slow film. Like, I've, I've had a lot of friends that I recommend this to, and they've, they've said, God, this is so boring. And I'm like, if you would just stick with it, this film, like, has such an impact that I, I – I, 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 I mean, I really, really hope this film does go on to win Best Picture this year. And I hope that Quran wins Best Director because it is just a, it's a remarkable achievement from a master craftsman. I mean, it's just it's it's amazing. I'm glad yeah, you I think it, I think it will 
it will grow, go on to get director in foreign language film and be it's going to get a slew of nominations. I did get to see it mm-hmm. on the big screen on my birthday. Oh, did you really? New yeah. York. Yeah, it was oh. the first thing that I did when I got to New York. I got off the plane, mm-hmm. uh, took a bus into New York, took my luggage somewhere where they would just hang on to it before I could get to the Airbnb where we were staying, and mm-hmm. we went to uh, the landmark at 57th and saw it in even more than just seeing it on the big screen was hearing it in the Dolby Atmos. Yeah. The sound design yeah, in this film is incredible. And yeah. I think and the, and the only reason why it wasn't in my top five is because I spent more time being, you know, amazed by the filmmaking aspect. Um, mm-hmm. That it's not it's not the movie that I'm going to go back and watch repeatedly. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, the, even though there's plenty to admire and everything. The movies that yeah. I ranked above it are the movies that I'm going to watch again and again. Um, mm-hmm. But there's no question that it is the most impressively made film of the year, and it deserves all the praise it's getting. Yeah, those shot shows. I mean, the way that his camera would just slowly move across a scene. Yeah. You know, I was just and, – and the detail that he included in these shots – I mean, I was just, I was amazed. I mean, I just, I felt like I was living in that world. Like I, I, I felt so immersed in his childhood that I, it just, yeah. it felt like almost my own. Like, I mean, it was just, yeah. it was remarkable how he achieved this. And I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that, that someone like Caron who made gravity would do something so like amazing with the craft of the film to elevate something that with any normal director would have been just a traditional kind of story but and and i just thought like i think what you're talking about too like i mean yeah you can admire so much of the craft but for some reason i was so pulled into the story of these of these people um and this family you know it just it moved me so and it could have been because of the events of my past year most likely i don't know but it just it really pulled me in in a way that i just was so not expecting and i just i hope i get the opportunity one day to experience it on a big screen with the sound like you talked about and the visuals um because yeah. it was it was just remarkable to me. Like it just to me, it stood so far above like anything else I saw this past year. Just an amazing yeah. achievement. The Elisa I think Aparicio. this would be the first. Yes, that's true. Yes, um, and I mean she wasn't even like an actor. Um, I just I yeah. thought it was amazing what she, the performance that she gives. Um, and this would be the first foreign language film to win Best Picture if if it does, wouldn't it be? Yeah. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, that would that'd be great to see. It would be really great to see, and gorgeous too. It, it, I hope it wins best cinematography too. Yeah. Next to Cold War, probably yeah. the best cinematography. Well, that's Quaron would be like triple nominated because he did the cinematography and the editing, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to 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 think that how because he couldn't get uh, what's his name, uh, um, his usual cinematographer. Yeah, Chivo. So he goes and does it his own, oh. and then it does something so amazing with it. My God. Yeah. Did you see Roma, Jamie? I did not. Oh. Man. I'm, so I'm not watching that black and white foreign shit. <laughs> God. Just, just when I, you know, it's like uh, the emotions with you, Jamie. It's like, you know, you make me happy. You got like, won't you be my neighbor? And then, you know, <laughs> then you won't watch Roma and you piss all over Burt Reynolds. You know, it's like, 
I didn't piss all over Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds was the only thing yes, worth directing in that movie. <laughs> I pissed all over the movie. He didn't direct it. Yeah, it was the movie. Yeah. Did, and of hey, course, did you ever Bradley see like Cooper. Kevin... Bradley Cooper is the person who's nominated for both first time director and best director. Who's going to win oh, yeah. at least okay. the best. He'll win the best first time director, but Quaron will get the the DGA. I tell you, Star is Born has lost some luster in the awards race, though. I mean, that was the film yeah. that everybody was talking about would, would be the big Oscar favorite, but man, it's lost some it's just, steam. It's just going to win for Shallow. It'll get nominated for yeah, like six likely. awards, which is more, after I thought, I walked out thinking I could see this getting nominated for nothing but Best Music Score and Sam Elliott. Really? Because I expected it to be forgotten by the time, you know, over yeah. the over the months that came after. So, but you know, the legs are there, and it's playing. It's I back that, playing in old cinemas again. Uh, isn't there the love for Sam Elliott though? Yeah. What not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a love for Sam Elliott. Oh, absolutely. But if you're interested, but I just think our 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 top ten list by consensus. Uh, <laughs> Number 10 would be Black Klansman. Number 9 would be 8th Grade. Number 8 would be Annihilation. Number 7 would be A Star is Born. Number 6 would be First Reformed, since Jamie chimed in with that one. Uh, number, <laughs> five would be, number 5 would be Blind Spotting. Number 4 would be First Man. Number 3 would be Roma. Number 2 would be Vice. And number 1, Won't You Be My Neighbor. There you go. Nice. There you go. So huh. Jamie with his with his number with his top two list still swaying. <laughs> right. Jamie's top two still has influence. <laughs> uh, hmm. Well, good. it was a good year in film from the ones that I did see. I was I was really impressed with a lot of these achievements. I thought the team was better I, for I, popcorn I, entertainment than it was for I film. I thought it was a well no. Good point. I, I, I just, I'm just going to say that I can't wait to give my top ten of 2018 in 2020 when we do this again. <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to that, Jamie. When you finally have a complete list, <laughs> because movies aren't deserving of being called classics until they're actually classics. That's what I'm waiting on. I'm waiting for that's them a good to, point. It to, yeah, it to reach the age where it can be considered a classic. Well, Jamie, have we convinced you to like see some of these movies that we've mentioned? Or no, man, we talked about hundreds of movies. I've, I've talked, I've, I've, I've heard about these movies ad nauseum for a year. Have you? Okay. Well, what were what were the top number ones of the uh, like? Who, who's on your show these days? Is it is it Jerry and Dean? I'm it sorry, is I Dean and a- Dean and Adam. Okay, so what were their number ones? That's a good question. We just had this conversation last night. Um, <laughs> it obviously had a big influence on you. <laughs> Dean was uh, was a Stars Born, oh. and Adam. Let's see if I can remember Adam's. Uh, Adam might have been first reformed. Oh. I think it might have been that, but they all had similar. I mean, Adam had Death of Stalin, and and both of them had Vice, and you know there there were oh. titles that came up like, common f- between all of you guys. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, First Reformed was right up my alley because it yeah, I mean, was I really would love to see First Reformed get some nominations because I, like I said, it was just outside my top ten, and um, it was the most it, reminiscent for film. me of the of the '70s movies that I loved so much. Yeah, I agree. I agree. One of my favorite sequences of the year too, when like they're laying on top of each other and they like rise up <laughs> there. Well, shut up. <laughs> this is serious. That was a good scene. It was interesting. Paul Schrader did an, did a long interview not too long uh, last week. It appeared where he talked about the ending of that movie because I watched the movie mm-hmm. and and I really liked it. I liked the tone of it. I liked the very deliberate pace of it that kind of changes mm-hmm. midstream into something a lot mm-hmm. a lot weirder. Um, yeah, and I and I thought it was interesting that I mean it's a great crystallization of everything Paul Schrader's career has been. Uh, all of his obsessions, mm-hmm. all of his influences. There's a lot of Taxi Driver. There's a lot of the Versailles movies that, or the Diary of a Country Priest and all of the foreign films that he loved that influenced him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought in all of that from one of our great cinematic writers culminates in all the lead character really needed was to get laid. The end. But um <laughs> uh, he did an interview where he talked where he talked about the ending of that movie, and he thinks it's a pessimistic movie, whereas most people watch it and might think it's optimistic. But he says no, he, Ethan Hawke's dead mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. end, and, and Amanda Seyfried is just a, kind of a vision. And he yeah. was very deliberate about editing it so that you did not see her enter that room; she just appeared, mm-hmm. so you could go fifty right. fifty on what the ending meant. I thought that was no, I, I loved. Yeah, I love the choice he made. Uh, like all the choices he's made in that film. Like it, it like you said, it, it ranked right up there with the great Paul Schrader works. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great achievement. Like I I do hope it'd be nice. I I do hope it does get some recognition. You know, it'd be great to see like him at the Oscars, be man. Because I, I mean, I I don't I don't know that he'll, I don't know if he'll win it, but because uh, mm-hmm. I always see it's Paul Schrader being one of those one of those guys that'll win the. Uh, Special Oscar, uh, without actually winning an oh, Oscar, yeah. but yeah, yeah it would be great to see him at the mm-hmm. ceremony. Absolutely. If they can finally, if the Oscars can finally make it through all this damn controversy, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I think it's a good year today. Don't have but a host. Yeah, I actually do too. They've actually done that before. I mean, you go back to, uh, or they've had multiple hosts some years, but. Um, what was the last time? Eighty-eight, maybe when they didn't have one. Was that the Snow yeah, White? Year that was the, disa- the disastrous year when they last didn't have a host. Was the <laughs> yeah. Snow White year? Well, but the thing that I'm like, it's you know, the Academy is like being so like it's such a big thing now that they have such a short ceremony. They should actually be happy about that. They won't have an open monologue. You know, just get right into the awards. It's like we could have like a two and a half hour ceremony if they just the way that they're going. They'll, they'll find they'll find a way to fuck it up. <laughs> I know, but what about this latest news today that like the SAG Awards are pissed? That, like, the Academy uh-huh. is like exerting influence over like it, like having exclusive presenters. I'm like Jesus Christ, they're like stabbing themselves in the foot over and over. It's like they're going through those fucking growing pains right now. It's going to be interesting to see what they do this year. Yeah, yeah. I, they're I don't know. They're old. Mm-hmm. They're old news by the time they happen. Yeah. Well, that's true. By the time they come that's out true. at the end of February, people are zonked out. Well, especially, yeah, especially when we have like so many front runners, you know, like so many years recently, it's just 
we kind of know what's going to happen, you know. But hey, if the SAG Awards throw some like some surprises, you know, then hey, maybe it could be exciting. But that's a discussion. The Oscars right need to, the Oscars need to happen now. Like they need to move the Oscars <laughs> to Janu- to January, and so all, well, all the right. other all the other awards that come after, that's where they belong because the Oscars are essentially saying you guys are the pretenders, but we're the fr- we're mm-hmm. we're the real thing. We're the front runners, as opposed right. to coming at the end of everything where everybody's all awards exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, didn't they – weren't they saying like they might try to move it up even earlier, like to like beginning of February or something starting next year? I thought they were going to try something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they'll, keep, they'll keep trying stuff. I mean because, uh, you know, they, there's a reason why they call them the precursors, and so uh-huh. that you, 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 you end with – I mean, I, right. TV movie awards <laughs> happen in like June. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year. That's for sure. Well, all right, guys. That was enjoyable. I enjoyed uh, your top two there, Jamie. That was that was different. Thank you. Are you doing a show next Monday, <laughs> I, Jamie? John, I'm sorry, Jason. Oh, am I? That's good. I don't know. Well, <laughs> wait. The nominations come out on Tuesday, so yeah, right. probably not. Um, Okay, so you're just going to wait and do yeah, the Tuesday morning thing? Yeah, we'll do the Tuesday morning. You're going to join me right. on Tuesday morning? Yeah, okay, I'll wake up early and uh and Jamie, you never, join me on, you never join us on Tuesday morning. No, I sure don't. Why not? Why not? It would be fun. There's a, there's a store called Tuesday morning that I go into occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that'll be Monday, too. We'll just do the Oscar nominations morning. So. All right, well, I'll talk to you then. Yes. Good to catch up with you guys and hope we can stay in touch a little bit more often. You too. I'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, did you decide who's going to do the opening uh, um, uh, for our Oscar prediction special? Is it going to be Garney? Is it going to be the two of you? What are they going to do? Uh, we haven't decided yet. Let's hear the nominations and then I'll well, I'll reach out to James if you want to collaborate. Maybe we can split it and somehow like splice it together. I don't know. Okay, that's beautiful. All right. Yeah, it might be an interesting medley for someone who's not seen any of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> that, that be... That's right. Uh... <laughs> That could be most of Jamie's songs. He could just talk about how much he hasn't seen these films. (laughs) No, it puts you in an interesting position where you can actually see all the movies nominated for the first time at the same time. I've kind of always wanted to do that, but I don't have the (laughs) – Yeah. I don't have the will. I I still want to watch the movies, but but people will (laughs) – People listen to the Bentley and they'll be like, man, he sees these movies completely different than I do. <laughs> and I and it's, it's because I haven't seen them. I think you did he has that such one a year fresh when... take on these. Didn't you, didn't you that one year you did the medley like you hadn't seen Lion or something? Yes. yes. Like you had... yeah, I'd be right. lying if I saw Lion. Yeah. <laughs> so see, there's... there's... There's great humor to be had, Jamie, even when you don't see the movies. 
Yeah, that song worked on many levels. It did. I'll talk to you next time, Jason. Jamie, yeah, uh, I'll talk to you on Tuesday we'll after that. Jamie, I'll, I'll see you, buddy. you whenever. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> Good night, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, good to catch up with those guys. Yeah, I got to talk to them more often than, you know, a couple times a year when we do the show. But anyway, so thanks, everybody, for listening in tonight to our top ten movies of the year. And in Jamie's case, our top two Um so yeah, so our next uh, next show will be it's Oscar nominations morning in just a week from now, and that's on Tuesday, January twenty second, and we'll do um, our usual early morning broadcast. We'll start at seven a.m. Central Time, eight Eastern, um, with the announcement. Uh, we're still not sh- haven't gotten the announcement of what the Oscar nominations announcement will be like this year. It's been different the last couple of years, so uh, and it's it's been good how the last couple of years they've announced all the categories. But uh, who knows what we'll get this year in this kind of unpredictable where we don't even have an Oscar host and it looks like we won't have one. Um, And, yeah, the Academy getting accused today by the Screen Actors Guild of, um, what do they say, extraordinary and unwanted pressure on talent to hold them from appearing at the SAG Awards so that they'll appear on the Oscars. I don't know. The Academy's been going through a lot of interesting shit the past couple of years, especially this year. So who knows, or especially 2018, but. Anyway, so I hope you've heard a lot of good recommendations of movies from our list tonight. And uh, join us here on Tuesday morning, Oscar nominations morning, for the live announcement of the Oscar nominations, and you'll hear Garney and I's first reactions. Still one of the few shows where we'll get a live announcement and first reactions um, right here as we launch into the 91st Academy Awards season. So thanks a lot for listening in tonight or whenever you happen to catch us in the archives. I appreciate it. And uh, – Have a good week, everybody.